you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond, you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. And welcome to this episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios located here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania where we broadcast every weeknight. That's Monday through Friday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time right here at our flagship station, the Global Star Radio Network. That's the place to be. Of course, Global Star Radio Network hosts some of the most popular shows on the planet. Common Sense Show. Of course, Ted Brower. Many others. Russ Dizdar. <laughs> I, I could go on and on, but you get the idea, folks. Now, we're also simulcast on Blog Talk Radio. You can watch us live and by archive uh, as well on our YouTube channel. Uh, the links to each audio and video broadcasting venue can be found at our home base right here on the Internet at HagmanandHagman.com. That's HagmanandHagman.com. You have to spell it all out. And, and don't forget, we've got two separate websites, one for the show. As I indicated, HagmanHagman.com. The other for news and information, that's HagmanReport.com. Bookmark both. And I'm Doug Hagman at the helm, again with fellow investigator, researcher, and, of course, my son, Joe Hagman. We are what I like to call the America's premier father-son investigating reporting team. Now, you may notice tonight, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, we are audio only on YouTube. Yeah, that's right. Well, uh Here's the deal. You know Eric the Tech has off tonight and then Monday. And our second in command in the technical arena, uh, of course, he's got his own business, and he's uh, tied up with, with that tonight. And um, we just decided to, to let this run audio only. So uh, and, and so basically, YouTube, the, the chat's been disabled. The audio is available on YouTube but you're not you're not going to be able to see our beautiful faces and you know what we're all dressed up in suits too <laughs> uh, why is that that's because actually we we are suit like people anyway 
We have a great show planned for yeah. you tonight. Dr. Ted Brewer is our guest. His website is healthmasters.com. I want to have a quick announcement first. Folks, americansurvivalwholesale.com is doing an amazing special. Um, I'm not sure how many people remember their, uh, the 360 servings month food, uh, one month worth of food, um, Linden Farms for $360. But American Survival Wholesale is running a special tonight. They are offering Linden Farms 360 pack that is um, listed at $432 and $360 on American Survival Wholesale. They're taking $100 off for three days only. You will not find a lower price on the planet. However, you must use the discount code HAGMAN to get this price. Again, $260, three days only, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, on the Linden Farms 360 pack by using the discount code HAGMAN. I'm going to tell you this right now. I am ordering one of these. Now, I, I talked to the owner of American Survival Wholesale, and don't forget, ASW, American Survival Wholesale is veteran-owned, Christian-owned. And I said, okay, I'm going to order one of these, actually two, and I'm going to use the discount code Hagman. He said, no, <laughs> no, I can't do that. No, I, I'm, I'm kidding, of course. I, I talked to Chance earlier, and he was telling yeah. me how this pack is earthquake-proof with sackable lids, yeah. uh, airtight, yeah. watertight, so you can bury this in the, in the ground if you wanted to. Um, or, or you can f- find it in the earthquake um, ravaged rubble, uh, I'm, I'm sure relatively unscathed, right? Yeah. <laughs> so again, go to com. It is the three-day special uh, with Linden Farms, one-month emergency food storage, 360 servings of 2,000 calories, uh, nine different delicious meals, $100 off using the promo code HAGMAN for Friday, Saturday, and the special ends Sunday at midnight. And, uh, and we're serious. That is a great buy. I mean, that you cannot find. No, you can't. Um, it's easily worth one and a half times that, and they've got it down. Don't forget Hagman code, as you said, the promo code Hagman. Now, tonight, folks, have you noticed, just very quickly, have you noticed, Have you? can you feel it? Can you feel? Can you feel it? Just stop and think for a moment. Here we are. Now, it is June tenth, twenty sixteen. A year ago this month, a Burgerfell decision, opinion, Supreme Court was rendered. Think back in the run-up to that decision. It's been a year. Yeah, well, a year at the end of this month. Think back to the run-up to that. All right, and uh, the the uh, the feeling of, of you know, oh, this is going to be bad, and and of course it was. And, and many people have spoken about, well, this is going to lead into other perversities, and it did. But uh, folks, the incestuous nature of this opinion and how quickly um, I guess the real story here is this the other side, the opposing side, the the perverse side had their ducks in a row they had their tactics and, and game plans done long before that decision was ever rendered by the Supreme Court so as soon as that hit the mainstream they were able to implement successfully and effectively many plans, many of their schemes and machinations. And that's why we are where we're at right now. And I was talking with Greg Jackson earlier today. 
And he said, you know, we know how the story ends, but we have to still have to play the positions, and we have to get in the game. All the Christians have to really, we have to get in the game, and we have to take up the mantle of, of we have to settle for battle. We really do. And he's got a lot of good um, information, uh, you know, that he shared with me, and, and you've heard it. But, but you know, we know how the story ends. We do. But that doesn't mean that we, we've got a pass to be spectators. Now, uh, our good friend, uh, Dr. Ted Brower is going to be joining us tonight. The reason that that we're having him on again tonight, this is at our request. I mean, he's making a sacrifice to be with us tonight because, in going over all, Joe, in going over all of this information, as we do triage of the headlines and analysis, our own analysis of, of the geopolitics, and even getting into what's um, how it affects us physically emotionally we, we we need some triage and one of the one of the best people I know to, to give us triage in current events is Dr. Ted Brower healthmasters.com that's healthmasters.com and I subscribe we all subscribe here to his newsletter which is extremely informative and um, we need his take on the headlines Health news, geopolitics, and uh, Ted always does a great job of of show preparation and content. So, Ted, I'm going to turn it over to you. Welcome back to the Hagman and Hagman Report. It's great to have you on. Oh, well, thank you, Joe. Thank you, Doug. It was great listening to your introduction and your commentary. And, yes, it's always my pleasure to be on your show, and it's always my pleasure to give you my opinions. Uh, the good news is I was going to tell you guys this off the air, but I might as well just announce it now. Uh, Todd was able to finagle the schedule a little bit around, and I'm going to actually have my show played after your show Monday through Friday at 10 p.m. after your show goes off the air for your when you're finished. Wow! Uh, wow! So, so you, it, basically, I'm never going to leave the studio then. That's it. <laughs> okay, I got Russ well, before you. Well, well, I, uh, I wanted to share that with you guys. That just that just that just happened today, and so from 10 to 11 Eastern after your show is completed. We'll, you know, we'll, be, we'll be back on Global Star with a repeat of my show. It won't be live. It'll be repeat uh, in the evening from what I, what, what Austin and I did from 3 to 4 that afternoon. And this evening we're going to talk about the rape crisis in Sweden, how it's getting worse and worse, plus a plethora of other stories. That's going to be at 10 o'clock. So you guys, I'll be able to promote your show every night, every day when I'm on my show because my show starts after your show live in the afternoon. So I'm excited, guys. It's going to be a really good synergistic effect for everybody. So I'm just excited about that. Well, isn't it? I mean, Ted, we need to turn up the uh, uh, the amps, the voltage. We need to really kind of keep hitting, getting the news out there, and, and that's that's really. Thank you, Global Star. Thank you, Ted, for for doing this. I mean, we really well, need to do this. Well, to me, you know, me, you, and Dave Hodges, you know, we've got a really good synergistic relationship. And we're all supporting each other. And so it's a real blessing to me to be on your show. And of course, you come on my show on a regular basis. And now we'll be after your show. And plus, we're in the, in the, uh, you know, in the afternoons from three to four. So it'll be great. But I want to cover a couple of things very quickly that I have talked about repeatedly on your show, but I never gave any details, uh, primarily because I just kind of skimmed over because I assumed that everybody knew it. Then a week or so ago, I covered some of this material on my show, and we got just inundated with emails of, why did you cover this earlier? I didn't know this is what happened. I didn't know how this all tied together. Now I understand. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the Treaty of Versailles in 1919, who was in attendance that day. And also, I want to talk about the Balfour Declaration, and I want to talk about why Israel and Saudi Arabia are such good friends and how it's all tied together. 
And Joe, you're an expert in this too, so please, if I miss something, just correct me and say, hey, Ted, you need to throw this in there too or add anything you want to do to it. Is that okay with you, Joe? Yeah, absolutely. And, and folks, this is so important. You know, uh, Winston Churchill said, the further back you look, the further ahead you can see. All right? And this is exactly what he meant. Um, and, and Ted is, I would say, an expert in, in this particular area. And, and I don't, not in the legal sense, but expert in the uh, sense to convey, understand and convey the importance of this relative uh, to the context of today's events. So take it away, sir. Well, my mother was born in Germany in 1916, you know, right before the Treaty of Versailles. My grandfather was born in Germany in 1884, so he saw the whole thing. And so my mom and my grandfather, and my father also, you know, who was born in the United States in 1901, used to always tell me that, you know, the stuff that they were telling us in the school wasn't true, or it was partial truths, which that doesn't surprise anybody now. Now we know that's the mantra of the central bankers. That's what they do in their takeover of the United States in 1913 with the Federal Reserve Act. In the same year, of course, we got the IRS and the income tax. And this has been an ongoing plot that the central bankers have had for centuries, ever since the Rothschilds were brought into the Sabbatean cult by Jacob Frank back in the 1700s, and now they're basically just a bunch of Satanists is what they are. And, I mean, we all know that now. It's not anybody's trying to try to hide that. Stanley Kubrick, he did a big reveal on them with the movie Eyes Wide Shut. Now, I don't recommend you seeing that movie on video or reading it on YouTube or, or not on YouTube. It won't even play on YouTube. It's just, like, R-rated or even playing it on Netflix. You're going to have to get that one edited. That one's got some pretty graphic, nasty stuff in it. You really don't want to see that one, you know, unedited. But what happened was interesting in 1919 because Germany came to the aid of an ally when the Archduke Ferdinand was assassinated, and we can talk about who did that at a later day, because that's all part of this plot. And Germany was dragged into this war and actually went into it willingly because they were the aid of their ally, but they didn't start it. And then at the end of the war, Germany started having a whole bunch of problems with communists coming in to Germany, the same ones that had caused the Bolshevik Revolution that was funded by the Rothschilds. Now, what's interesting about all of this is they started shutting down munitions plants and the plants that were producing the armament and the guns and everything else that Germany was using in the war, so it causes giant stalemate in you know in 1919, 1918 as far as the amount of armament that Germany could actually deploy to the Western Front. When the armistice was basically declared, there were no troops fighting on German soil. People need to be aware of that. And the Treaty of Versailles was supposed to be a treaty of peace, not an unconditional war surrender act by Germany. Now what was interesting about this is the people that were behind the Treaty of Versailles that was signed on June the 28th, 1919 uh, was basically the work of the international bankers. They took all of the measures, which is the Rothschild family, they took all of the measures necessary to ensure the next world war, which would be World War II. The Prime Minister Lloyd George wrote the international bankers, this is the British Prime Minister, the international bankers swept statements, statesmen, politicians, journalists, and jurists all to one side and issued their orders with the imperiousness of absolute monarchs. Upon returning from the unsuccessful peace conference at Versailles, President Woodrow Wilson stated, there's a secret force at work in Europe which we were unable to trace. Now, he's lying about that. He knew who they were, but he didn't want to disclose the fact that he had already signed up with the devil with the Federal Reserve Act. 
And, of course, that was the Rothschild clan. They dominated the conference. The American President Woodrow Wilson was advised at Versailles Conference by Bernard Baruch. The Prime Minister, was by Lloyd George, was advised by Alfred Milner, Rothschild employee. Sir Philip Sassoon, a direct descendant of Mayor Rothschild, the French leader. George Clemenceau was advised by the Minister of the Interior, George Mandel, whose real name was Jeroboam Rothschild. Fritz Springmeier, the Illuminati bloodline, from the, from the Illuminati bloodline. The interpreter was Mantau, and the military advisor was Mr. Kish. Interesting, all the advisors were mostly representing international bankers. These men met at 6 p.m. and basically decided the future of the world. Germany's territorial losses from World War I, from the Treaty of Versailles, due to the international bankers, hacked Germany up like a carved goose. It was, it was cut into several pieces and gifted to other countries. A piece of Germany, Alsace-Lorraine, was given to France. A piece of Germany, Saar region of the coal mines, was forcibly brought under French protectorate. A piece of Germany, Eupen, Malaby, Mortisnet, and St. Vif, was given to Belgium. A piece of Germany, northern Schleswig, was given to Denmark. Pieces of Germany, Holsten and Apava, were given to Czechoslovakia. Several pieces of Germany, West Prussia, Danzig, Posen, Upper Silesia, were given to Poland. And this just goes on and on. Also, there were territorial losses of Austria-Hungary. Hausbergen's empire was cut up. Uh, Austria was cut up. Uh, Hungary was cut up. And what ended up happening, all the states of Eastern Europe became hub of a large national minorities. Again, they were breaking up national interests. And in, 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 in like Trump says, I'm a nationalist. They were trying to destroy all that. One-eighth of the German population found themselves in the newly created countries as minorities. So, give you an example. In America right now, you know, if we had what 17% or 16% of the population was suddenly moved into another country, you know, it would be tens of millions of people just be moved. Reparations, and this is the thing that Joe, that, that most people don't understand what happened. The total sum due to be paid by Germans as war reparation was decided by an inter-allied reparations commission controlled by the Rothschild Bank at 269 billion gold marks. Guys, that's the equivalent of 100,000 tons of gold. I'm going to repeat that. Germany was fined 100,000 tons of pure gold as war reparations in the trillions and trillions of dollars. Impossible to be paid back. Because remember, Germany can't just print its own currency. Of course, the Weimar Republic showed that it could, trying to pay back this horrible, horrible debt. Wilson's former aide, and a lot of people believe Satanist, Edward Mandel House, president of negotiations with, with Bernard Baruch, wrote in his diary on 29th of June, 1919, I'm leaving Paris after eight fateful months with conflicting emotions. Looking in the conference in a retrospect, there is much to approve and yet to regret, you think? It's easy to say what should have been done, but more difficult of way of finding a way to do it. However, to those who are saying that the treaty is bad and should never have been made, that it will involve Europe in indefinite difficulties in enforcement, I feel like admitting it. Okay, so he admits it. Before World War One, Barney Baruch was worth a million dollars. After World War One, he was worth over two hundred million dollars. Upon returning from the unsuccessful peace conference of Versailles, President Wilson again stated, there's a secret force that work in Europe, and we are unable to trace. That was a lie. He knew who they were. Now, what's also interesting, when Germany signed the armistice 
on November the 11th, 1918, its armies were still on French and Belgian territory. Furthermore, on the Eastern Front, Germany had already won the war against Russia and concluded with the Treaty of Brest-Lichfost. In the West, Germany had seemed to have come close to winning the war with a spring offensive earlier in 1918. Its failure was blamed on strikes in the arms industry at a critical moment of the offensive, leaving soldiers with an inadequate supply of material. The strikes were regarded by nationals as having been instigated by the international banking cartels. The bankers, the Communist Party who was involved in this, led the revolution in Germany during 1918 and 1919. They left Berlin, once a symbol of power and splendor, to, the, to, to them in total ruins. It goes on to say that Berlin had become the center of the communist social democratic movement and the trade union movement. It became headquarters of the Social Democratic Workers' Party, founded by a militant Marxist group formed by Karl Liebknecht and Rosen Luxemburg. The war effort in Germany was finally hampered when 300,000 workers in all of its armaments factories went on strike during the middle of the war in January 1918 due to the influence of the Communist Party. Later, there was a naval mutiny and a strike of dock workers. Finally, on this November the 9th, 1918, Philip Schneiderman, the left-wing leader of the Social Democrats, proclaimed the first German republic from a window of the Reichstag building in Berlin while the heroic German army was still in enemy territory. The Kaiser was forced to abdicate in November of 1918 and the government was taken over by the communists or the social democrats. The banker leader Friedrich Ebert, Ebert was installed as the first president of the republic. After the armistice, Berlin was in total chaos. The city resembled a war zone with the communist revolutionaries fighting in the streets. The German nation was led to believe the Treaty of Versailles and negotiations were to be a conference for peace, not unconditional surrender and the carving up of Germany. On June 28, 1919, Democratic Weimar politicians, socialists, and communists then signed the Treaty of Versailles. That's what happened, according to my mom and my granddad and a whole bunch of other history experts. Joe, I know you must have something to add to what happened to Germany with the Treaty of Versailles and how that precipitated World War II. Well, uh, there's a, a whole lot there that you just that you just covered, and the uh, some of the quotes from the leaders at the time. Um, there's a, a document uh, from a report of the Palin Commission in August 1920 um, that talks about quotes from President Wilson. He said he brushed away all doubts as to what was intended from this point of view. And this is to the Belfort Declaration in March 1919. He said to the Jewish leaders in America, I am moreover persuaded that the allied nations with the fullest uh, concurrence of our own government and people are agreed that in Palestine shall be laid the foundation of a Jewish commonwealth. Also, Winston Churchill spoke of a Jewish state and uh, a Mr. Bonar the law talked about Palestine uh, being res uh, restoring Palestine to the Jews, and um, what happened with Germany, um, World War One, and it was not accomplished with World War One, which led to World War Two. Yeah, it, it, can I if I can sneak something in here? Um, Des Griffin, uh, 
a historian author described first world uh, the, the first world war from the viewpoint of the uh, power brokers the illuminati L- let me just slip this in here there are three things that that happened that um, involve israel the united states and, and the entire process I, I think this is so succinct three things number one america's policy of isolationism neutrality expounded so eloquently by george washington in his farewell message everyone remembers that about we should tend to our own affairs um and, and further uh mentioned or given official expression shall i say in the monroe doctrine it was murdered by our actions a precedent was established um through this twisted deceit of the power base for america's use as a military tool in the hands of the international bankers That's the right. second thing that, okay the second thing real quick here is czarist russia which is was always a thorn in the side of the monetary monopolist for a n- right. number of years it had been successfully removed from the world scene which was forecast 47 years earlier folks by the top illuminist Albert Pike in his famous letter to Mazzini. And the last thing, and I'll say and I'll shut up, World War I created this astronomical number of national debts in the nations which participated. And these debts were held by the international bankers who, as we have seen, they organize and stage manage the show from start to finish. The theaters of war have always provided this extremely lucrative um, area for uh, to their managers and those who finance them. And the Treaty of Versailles, of course, was based Entirely on the plans of the Rothschild family and, right. and, and Amsha, Amsha Rothschild and such. Um, but, but on the American side, uh, the Rothschild puppet Woodrow Wilson, his advisors, including but not limited to Colonel Edward Mandel House, who I believe you're correct when you research him, um, the author of Philip Drew, administrator, by the way, um, it, it was a, it was a, I will, will say, in my opinion, the Satanist, and of course, you mentioned Bernard Baruch. The English side, of course, um, was the Crown, Lloyd George, and the Committee of 300, uh, Phil, uh, Sir Philip Sassoon, which, again, a, a direct descendant of Amschel M- Rothschild and a member of the English Privy Council. France had Prime Minister, uh, what was his name, Clemenceau, I believe, and George Mandel as, uh, as a delegation. So all of this, you're exactly right, and that set the stage for not just the Treaty of Versailles, but for the... Uh, uh, establishment. Of yeah, it led to Israel. it led to different coalitions, and there was you know a German Russian coalition, uh, or a German coalition that was anti um, Israel, anti of breaking up the Middle East, and you had the Ottoman Empire, uh, right. the breakup of the Ottoman Empire, and it really uh, between the Belfort Declaration and the the treaty, it rearranged the face of the Middle East. Uh, That's right. I'm gonna, I'm going to cover that next. Okay? okay, and the reason I want to cover this tonight. Is, you know, I've gotten emails in, well, you know, you say that Israel is a fiefdom of the Rothschild Empire. It is. I mean, there's no other way of looking at it. It's what it is. And see, and so you have to understand it. That, that, that doesn't mean that God can't use it in the end times prophecy. That's, that, I didn't say that. I'm just saying where it came from and what happened to the Palestinians and what's continuing to happen into the people in the Palestinian areas there that are still basically in a concentration camp that we don't want to talk about. So now let's talk about why Israel, which is primarily Jewish, and Saudi Arabia are such good friends because it ties right back to the Rothschilds' ownership of Israel and the Balfour Declaration and the formation of Saudi Arabia. And, Joe, you've talked about this a lot already. I've heard you talk about it on the show. Here's the interesting article. It says, why does Israel and Saudi Arabia have a snug and cozy relationship? I mean, why are they best friends forever? 
It seems odd to me, this, this author goes on, but this is not titled, that the Zionist regime of Israel, holding such an antagonistic presence towards Arabs in the Middle East, would be friends with arguably the most powerful Muslim nation in the region. And they have common enemies, such as Iran, the Hamas, the Hezbollah, the Muslim Brotherhood. And so it goes on to what you just said, Joe, the defeat of the Ottoman Empire by British imperialism in World War I left three distinct authorities in the Arabian Peninsula, Sharif the Pizah, Hussein bin Ali of Hazi in the west, and Ibn Rashid of Ali in the north, and Ebed Ibn, I forget, sorry about these names, guys, Assad of Nayid in the east, and his religiously fanatic followers, the Wahhabis. Okay? On these three, Britain got the most help in World War One, from the Sharif of Hussein, who led the Arab revolt against the Turks and helped the British defeat them. After the war, Hussein was hoping the British would keep their word and agree to the establishment of a single Arabian country from Gaza to the Persian Gulf. However, Britain, under the control of the Rothschild Empire through its banking system, as it has done many times in the past, did not keep its promises. Instead, along with France, it drew up the Sykes-Piquet agreement in 1916 and issued the Balfour Declaration in 1917 which mandated the establishment of a Jewish Zionist state in Palestine at the prompting of the Rothschilds. This is just history. The Sharif was not happy and told the British that he would never sell out Palestine to the Emperor and the Emperor's Balfour Declaration that he would never acquiesce to the establishment of Zionism, imperialism in Palestine, or accept the new random borders drawn across Arabia by the British and French imperialists. At this point, Lawrence Arabia, or T.E. Lawrence, was sent to this area by Churchill and was dispatched to bribe and buy Hussein. When this didn't work, he turned to threats, which were also echoed by Winston Churchill, who was then a colonial secretary, Remember, they're all answering to the Rothschilds. Both men threatened to unleash Ibn Saud and the Wahhabis, they were, they, who they were arming and funding, which they did. Okay? Within weeks, the forces of Saud and the Wahhabi followers you know, overthrew these other guys. After losing Mecca, Hussein had fled and, and lost his entire country to Ibn Saud, the ancestor of the current Saudi lineage. Sharif Hussein was forced out of Aqaba, a port he had liberated from the Ottoman Empire during the Arab Revolt, Ibn Saul had begun his siege of Jeddah in January 20, 1925, and the city finally surrendered in December of 1925, bringing an end to over 1,000 years of rule by the Prophet Muhammad's descendants. The British officially recognized Ibn Saud as the new king of Hijaz in February of 26, with the other European followers, powers following suit. The new unified Wahhabi state was rebranded by the empire in 1932 as the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. This whole thing was put together through the Rothschild family, and that's why the Rothschilds and the Saudis are neck deep in all of this mess, because so many of you just don't understand the linkage here of how this happened. So much you know, for the history of Israel and Saudi Arabia, that how they're tied together, now, if you fast forward to the Zionist regime and corrupt human rights abusing kingdom, now we know with Saudi Arabia with all of their beheadings, you start to understand how they're tied together. So this is what I want to share with you guys tonight. This is why Israel and Saudi, they work together all of the time. They work together with 9-11. They work together with the taking down of the trade towers. They are constantly working together because they were both put into place and these, both these countries were developed 
by the Rothschild banking empire. Now, Joe, if Doug, if I've missed it, if I've overstated something, please correct me. No, you you stated it very well, and uh, especially the the point about um, Britain selling uh, Palestine, really, right. and the um, the Rothschild, the 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 Baron family, um, their involvement was just as deep as as the puppets who announced the uh, agreement. I mean, what you're saying is true. It was the it was Walter Rothschild. Um, a British Jewish leader in the British community, and the movement of Zionism through Britain and Ireland, um, what the Belfort Declaration was, and uh, it laid out exactly what the they wanted to do and how they wanted to do it. And yeah. it but please, people, do not equate this with anti-Semitism. No, this is, this is no. history, guys. This is history. This yeah. is just history. And, and, the, yeah. and, the reason I wanted, and the reason I wanted to bring this up tonight was this. People are always asking me, well, why do you say that Israel is a Rothschild fiefdom? This is why. Because it is. Now, there's no other way about that. That's why I say we should pray for Israel. And I believe Israel is going to be used very, very strongly in the end times, just like the Bible says it's going to be. But this is how it came into play. This is what happened and how it got there. Years ago, I was on years ago I was on a cruise ship, Joe and Doug. I'll never forget this. This is back. Oh God, this is 15, 17 years ago. And there was a man who was from Britain, and we talked to him. He's a really, really nice guy. He was in his he was in his mid 70s at that point, close to 80. Really good shape. You know, he shows up for the first formal night. And he's wearing a full blown military British uniform. Full blown military uniform. Got a picture of him somewhere. The guy was just absolutely articulate, super well educated. And so I asked him, what war or any wars were you involved in? He was involved in the war in Palestine back here, all the way back, all the way back, 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 okay? This guy was that old. And when I started asking him about that, he got into tears. He literally teared up. And he goes, I can't talk about it. And he goes, what we did to the Palestine people as an officer in Great Britain and the 100,000 people that we murdered and their families that we murdered to establish the state of Israel and do what we did to Palestine is unforgivable what we did to these people in this area because we murdered them by the tens of thousands women, children and he goes all under order by our government this is the guy who was there now you think, well that's horrible well it is horrible but see here's the thing guys you know, these guys don't think a second about sicking the United States, which is their military arm now, of the Rothschild banking cartel, to go kill a million people in Iraq, or to go kill people in Iran, or go wipe out Libya, or to go wipe out Egypt, or to go wipe out Syria. Guys, you got to get to the head of the snake here. We've got to get the central bank that's been put in here into the United States. We've got to nationalize their assets. We've got to stop all of this nonsense that they've done to the United States with this giant debt they've given us. And we've got to step back and go back to the way it was, you know, before 1900. And we've got to realize that this international banking cartel has been up to this no good for hundreds of years. And this is what their goal is. Their goal is to bring in a one world Luciferian state that's going to worship the devil and have a one world religion. That's what they want. And guys, if I'm wrong, tell me, or just go ahead and clarify a little bit better than that, because I don't know how I don't know how much more plain I can be than that. Well, uh, not to to make any clarifications, but just so people understand that when this happened, when the state of Israel was instituted, there is a divide even amongst the Jewish community, where you had two camps, uh, two trains of thought. One was that their identity did not need to be uh, 
part of a national uh, homeland, and you have actual um, Jewish people who are against the state of Israel, and then you have those who uh, are for it. Against and, the establishment and, of right, the state right. of Israel. As, no, but to be clear, as it was carved out on the uh, uh, conference tables by the power brokers at the time. So, I mean, I understand that this is... I don't know because we're going to get emails on this, and oh, you're. And I think the point is here is that it 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 just speaks to the level of control of those who control the the money system and the the system of lawmaking, Uh, and even you know the Jewish people suffered under this. No, that's right. And now let me let me qualify one thing real quick. Ninety nine percent of the Jewish people had no idea any of this was going on. Okay, this is nothing to do with any of these people. This is the satanic Rothschild family that did this. You know, they're the ones who set this up. And so you can't blame the Jews. You can't do that because they had, they had nothing to do with this. The vast majority of them, like you said, have been scattered all over the world, and many of them felt they had needed no national identity. They were very successful in their own right in all the different areas and commerce and media and all the other things they were involved in. So they didn't want to be involved in any of this whole nonsense. They didn't want to be part of this. They didn't want this giant anti-Semitism to break out against them because of doing something like this. This was the Rothschilds. Because remember, the Rothschilds, they have read the Bible, and they understand that they want that temple mount back. They want to rebuild that temple. They've got all of this stuff done because they want to use the spear of destiny, which was recovered from Hitler, according to you know multiple the, the TV show that we talked about. It'll come to me in a second. A guy, the guy was it was called uh, the uh, oh it'll come to me in a second. They, they said that they want to take that spear of destiny, rebuild the temple, go into the holy of holies, and they want to use that spear of destiny, which was used to plunge into Jesus' side and basically spill the blood of their anointed one to bring in the Antichrist. That's the goal of all of this stuff. I mean, these guys are Luciferians is who they are. They know the name of the, the power of Jesus and the power of the cross. They understand all of that. We've talked about that in detail. But again, you got the Council of 300. you got the Bilderberger Group. you got the Rothschilds. you got the Vatican Bank. you got up to 50% of the doggone priests in the Catholic Church now are pedophiles. you got all these different people. you got the Council on Foreign Relations. You've got the United Nations. you got all the heads of all these governments. This isn't about, quote-unquote, the Jews doing this. we gotta, we got to get away from that. And, you know, and some of the top people in the you know in the alternative news market they try to emphasize that that's not what we could do it's not true it's just that these are the people these luciferian rothschild ones are the ones who brought it all in all of these guys that are involved in the federal reserve systems in new york all of these guys are really really bad news i mean they need to be taken out why are we negotiating with international bankers they got a charter to run the federal reserve bank which has already expired in 1913 we should just take the money system and the banking system back. The problem is the money brokers that be have gone in now and paid off all of these politicians, and there's no way it's going to happen. That's why they are deathly afraid of Bill Clinton, because he's a nationalist. They don't want a nationalist in the White House. They don't want a John F. Kennedy in the White House. They don't want a Ronald Reagan in the White House. They want a globalist like Hillary Clinton in the White House, like Obama in the White House. That's who they want. They want to get rid of the borders and have a global empire, a one-world order, a one-world government. 
That's why they're so scared of Donald Trump, because he's a loose cannon on deck and they don't know what he's going to do. But I want to clarify all that because it's really important that we try to understand the history of what happened and not pretend like these things didn't happen You know, almost 100 years ago now with the Treaty of Versailles, because it did happen and you've got to look at history if you don't want to repeat this mess. But these guys have got to be taken off their throne of money and restored to where, where they belong, and if they want to do all this nonsense in Europe, let them have at it. But guys, I'm telling you, the United States is losing its sovereignty. And if Hillary Clinton gets into office, the first thing she said she's going to go after was the Second Amendment. And the Second Amendment is one of the only things that's stopping these guys from doing a full takeover of the United States. And that's just the way I look at this thing. Now, I mean, guys, if you see it differently than me, go ahead and clarify again, please. No, uh, absolutely agree with you. Trump is a nationalist. The Clintons are globalists and we are moving in a uh, direction of complete globalism not only a global economy a global healthcare system um, and a global political system this is why we see the Middle East breaking down and uh, nations being labeled as rogue and, and enemies is because it is part of the the banking uh, central banking uh, well, they, agenda to get well, all they, countries under the same well, they, well they, want their, they want their assets, and they want to put a central bank into Libya. And see, I mean, Gaddafi had already turned over his, quote, weapons of mass destruction, which was really stupid of him to do, because as soon as he turned his weapons in, he gets invaded. I mean, Hitler just takes them all out. I mean, it, he had complied with what they had asked him to do, because he knew what was coming. Because he, had already saw, he had already seen what had happened with Saddam Hussein. I mean, you know, this is the problem. You know, we put all these guys in the power with the CIA, then we turn around, and if we decide we don't want them there anymore, we just kill them. And it's not us, it's the CIA... It's the Mossad. It's all of these rogue elements of the government that are doing this. I mean, Obama said last week at a big meeting, I think, up in Indiana, he said that the only the main problem that we have in the United States is basically conservative talk radio. I mean, he's saying that you know that you, Doug Hagman and Joe Hagman, me, Ted Brower, Dave Hodges, Joyce Riley, you know, Alex Jones, you know, you know, Savage. You know, Rush Limbaugh, all of us are the problem that we make big government look bad, and big government is the answer to everything. No, communism and socialism is never the answer. Right now in Venezuela, the hospitals in many areas are without power. They don't have bandages. They don't have medicine. They don't have beds. People are laying out on the floors, bleeding out and dying because they were socialists. See, it doesn't work. It never has worked. Look what happened to the Soviet Union. Sure, it managed to go for a little while, you know, for what, for 30, 40 years, and it started, then it started getting in super poverty, and finally it just broke to pieces, you know, with Reagan. Because there's no way that you cannot, you can take incentive away from people and tell them they can be part of the collective and have them still expect to work. It doesn't, it doesn't do that. Now I'm going to read you one more little thing real quick. And I want to say this one more, I read this on your last show a few, three, four weeks ago. It said, the four horsemen of the banking Apocalypse are Bank of America. These are all Rothschild banks. J.P. Morgan Chase, Citigroup, and Wells Fargo own the four horsemen of the oil: Exxon Mobil, the Royal Dutch Shell, BP Amico, and Chevron Texaco, in tandem with other European and old money behemoths, i.e., the Rothschilds. But their monopoly over the global economy does not end at the edge of the oil patch, according to the companies. According to the company, 10,000 filings to the SEC, the four horsemen of the banking apocalypse are among the top 10 stockholders of virtually every Fortune 500 corporation. 
It is well known that in 2009, of the top 100 largest economic entities of the world, 44 were corporations. The wealth of these family, primarily the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers, which were funded by the Rothschilds, are among the top 10% shareholders in each of these, is far in excess of national economies. In fact, total GDP is around, this is global domestic product, is around $70 trillion. The Rothschilds' wealth alone is estimated to be over a quadrillion dollars. So in the case with the Rockefellers, who were helped and provided money all along by the Rothschilds, the U.S. has an annual GDP in the range of 14 to 15 trillion dollars. This pales in the significance before the wealth of these trillionaires and quadrillionaires. With the U.S. government and most European countries in debt to the elite, there should be absolutely no doubt as to who owns the world and who controls it. To quote Eustace Mullins from his book, The New World Order, the elites rule the U.S. to their foundations, the Council on Foreign Relations, the Federal Reserve System with, its, with no serious challenges to power, expensive political campaigns which are routinely conducted with carefully screened candidates who are pledged to the program of the New World Order. Should they deviate from the program, they will either have an accident, be murdered, be framed on a sex charge, or indicted in some type of financial irregularity. Guys, this is what's going on. It goes back to the international banking community. They're the ones that are, have done all of this, and this is what they're setting us all up for. So it's just really that simple. You say, well, that's simplistic. Well, no, it's not. It really is that simple. When Ron Paul and the guys ask Bernanke what happened to what, the $17 trillion, and he goes, well, I don't know, man. Well, I can tell you what happened to it. He said he, he said it to the European banking community. They bought up the stock markets all over the world, and they took those trillions and trillions of dollars, and now they own controlling interests in the Fortune 500 corporations. And see, this is what's happened. We have been jacked. We have been hijacked. The whole planet has been jacked by these Luciferians. And guys, it's time that we as Christians stand in the aggregate and say, no more. I mean, this is why we left Europe to start with, many of our fathers and grandfathers, because we wanted to have freedom in the United States. And we've been a huge stumbling block to the New World Order now for centuries. And finally, for the past hundred years, they've been able to get their claws in us and put us into massive, massive debt and control our political institutions through these unlimited amounts of money through these PACs that they, they feed into these guys to get them reelected. And so it's a major, major mess. And all of us need to realize that unless we as Christians stand against this, this is why there's an all-out assault on the Christian church, guys, because they want to silence the Christians. Because as we've talked about many times on the show, when you pray, you emit scalar waves, and you literally change the fabric of time-space. These guys do their human sacrifice, their satanic rituals. They have all those electronics all around us now trying to change the frequency of what we live in. All of this is to control the attention field, to control the fabric of reality that we live in. That's why they do all of this stuff, and these are the guys who are in charge, and these are the guys who are doing it. So it's really an interesting thing when you start digging into the history and going into detail like this with the Treaty of Versailles, and you realize that the Rothschilds were sitting right there signing these papers and getting these guys to sign and do exactly what they told them to do. Unbelievable that these guys wield this type of political power globally, and they have done so for hundreds of years. What do you guys think? You know what, Ted, this is fantastic because even if you bring it, if you bring it forward to today, and I mean today, literally today, as we speak, the meeting of the Bilderberg uh, committee taking place in Dresden, Germany. Now, that is pretty much in in response to number one, the global, initiating the globalist, uh, 
um, the architecture for the, the, the one world monetary system, addressing the British exit from the European Union, and also been and really up there in terms of um, uh, importance, also addressing the American, the U.S. elections, presidential elections. So you've got all of this taking place today in the same format, using the same architecture, and in some cases, some of the same, shall we say, bloodlines, same families who were, you know, a hundred years ago doing the same thing today right in front of us, and no one is really getting the understanding of the significance of this, which is why we've got to raise the awareness in order to fight this. And, and so it's so appropriate that thank you for, for bringing this out, because in order to understand today, You've got to understand what happened in World War One, two, you know, back in the beginning of the twentieth century. And, well, um, yeah, yeah. And I, go ahead. I also, also, Doug, you know, when Hitler had his enabling act ready to go in nineteen thirty-three, when the Reichstag fire happened. If, if you read Hitler's book, Mein Kampf. If you read Mein Kampf and you read his other book, the untitled book that he wrote, and I've read both of the books. Now, Mein Kampf. It got into a lot of political stuff with the communists. I kind of skimmed through that one, and what I realized was this. There was a major, major assault on Europe with the Communist Party for the Bolshevik Revolution, which was funded by the Rothschilds, which was sweeping the entire continent to bring it into a one-world communist government at that point. And Hitler writes about that extensively in, in his book and in both books. And what's interesting about that, you know, a few things Hitler did right. Okay, he threw out the banking cartels out of Germany, started printing his own debt-free money, was able to fight the whole war with no debt. He also basically uh, nationalized all of their assets that they had stolen through the Weimar Republic, through the printing of money and trillions of dollars as they stayed in front of the inflation curve, which is the same thing we need to do in the United States. But then what he did, he went kind of berserkoid, and he decided he's going to create this fascist dictatorship with basically his Enabling Act, which is the same thing that we call our Patriot Act. If you look at the Enabling Act and you look at the Patriot Act, it looks like the same template was used to write both of these pieces of paper, both these, well, they're not pieces of paper, they're hundreds of pages, okay? And so this is the thing that people need to understand. These are documents that were put into place to enslave us. That's what the Patriot Act was all about. And it's so interesting how they had the Patriot Act ready to go right after 9-11. Are you kidding me? Was it over a thousand pages, Joe? Or Jim, Jim, yeah, Don? yeah. I mean, exactly. how they write, how they write something like that in a couple of weeks, okay? But that was George Bush's knee-jerk reaction to force that. And then, what, and then that was just a psychological warfare operations to try to force, because we were in this shock, the country was, to get Congress to pass that nonsense. And now we have that stuff hanging on top of us, and we wonder, what in the world happened to our rights? Well, this is what happened to our rights. In Oklahoma now, they're stopping people with cars who have, they think may have done some kind of crime, and then they have a scanner, and they run their debit cards through the scanner, and if they have any money in their account, they're automatically transferring the money out of their debit accounts at their banks and emptying out their bank accounts and telling them, hey... Just in case you guys are not guilty, even though we're not charging for anything, you can try to file a lawsuit on us to get the money back. I mean, unbelievable. They're doing that in Oklahoma right That's now right. as exactly. we speak. Now, Hitler, yep. Hitler would never have done that to the German people. He would blush with, like, just embarrassment if, 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 if you even told him what was going on. But this is the culmination of that police state. 
And now we're turning into a fascist dictatorship. And if we give the guys the chance and we put Hillary Clinton in office, they're going to be able to culminate this thing probably within eight years. And we're, we're, we're going to end up with an America that we don't even recognize anymore, which has already happened under eight years of this puppet Obama. But remember, Obama is not doing anything. Hillary won't do anything. George W. didn't do anything. His dad was a little bit involved because of the CIA. Clinton uh-huh. didn't do much. It was all the Rothschild banking cartels pulling the strings as globalists behind the scenes, knowing exactly what to tweak and who to hurt. That's who's running the country and has been since 1934, since the Exchange Stability Fund was set up and our gold was seized and that thing was funded by the Exchange Stability Fund. That's where the black ops money goes and that's where the shadow government operates from. And people need to understand that it's all based on the Rothschild banking cartel. The Treasury became an arm of the Rothschild banking cartel in 1934 with the Exchange Stability Fund. And if you understand that and get your handle on that and realize that's when the coup took place after the United States was bankrupt in 1933, we've got to go back to that and we've got to nationalize the assets of this banking cartel that has done its best to enslave every man, woman, and child in the United States, Doug and Joe. It's fantastic. Now, uh, there, there, I, I don't recall, and I could, I'll, I'll say this after the uh, top of the hour, uh, there was a reporter who got into, I think did a five- or six-part series on the ESF, the Exchange uh, Stabilization Fund. Okay, it's very important for people to understand exactly what that is because you're, you're correct, Ted. This is what funds, um, well, that is the mechanism for funding the New World Order. The, the shadow um, government, the, that's right. Exactly, the shadow government. And I just want to just, uh, if, if I can, just kind of buttress what you said here with, with the information. Uh, understand that following the Treaty of Versailles, um, uh, the German development uh, following that treaty was predetermined by demanding of Germany, as you had indicated, reparation payments of 123 billion gold mark and 26% per annum of the value of German exports. This was nothing less than... Um, Slavery. Well, exactly, enslavement, right. And now, in the midst of that chaos, Germany issued a moratorium on all payments of all reparations uh, reparations for two years. Then, um, well, I'll tell you what, for extra credit, folks, if you really want to get into this, uh, look into what Carol Quigley wrote in his voluminous, uh, tome, um, uh, about, uh, uh, about the neural, or, or about the, the historical book that he wrote, Carol Quigley. I'm trying to remember, I've got it in my office, I can't even think of the name. But, but also, not only that, the Dawes Plan, D-A-W-E-S, which was conceived by J.P. Morgan, the Rothschild henchman. Uh, under it, also do, do research about the Dawes Plan because that had um, uh, impact into uh, the monetary aspects of the Treaty of Versailles, Germany, and, of course, this Machiavellian system of which you speak. Sorry, and I just wanted to thrust and it in there. And also, if you're going to do all, if you're going to do that, if you're going to do that homework, get the book, The Tower of Basel about how the Bank of International Settlements located in Basel, Switzerland was originally set up for the war reparations to go through from the Versailles Treaty and how it was morphed into much, much more than that. Again, that's another arm of the Rothschild banking cartel. So you've got to see the truth. Oh, by the way, it was Brad Metzler decoded the Spear of Destiny where they talk about using the spear, rebuilding a temple, 
and basically spilling the blood of the Antichrist in the Holy of Holies. He talks about that at the end of the show. You can watch it for free online. Yeah, I remember seeing that episode. Uh, it's a pretty good piece. Folks, you're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report on this Friday edition with our guest, Dr. Ted Brewer. His website, healthmasters.com. He also has a show here right on Global Star Radio Network. We'll be right back with Dr. Ted right after these short messages. Stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Ladies and gentlemen, to this hour of the Hagman and Hagman Report, a very special guest tonight, Dr. Ted Brower. He is head of something called Health Masters. Healthmasters.com, folks, if you, uh, wherever we, well, if you're not taking nutritional supplements, you need to be. We, we need to be upright, ready for what is coming down the pike. And of course, to help you do that, all the products at healthmasters.com. That's healthmasters.com. And as well, talking tonight about some very important background, Winston Churchill said, and I'm paraphrasing, if you, the further back in history you look, the further ahead into the future you can see. And again, I'm, I'm, that's paraphrasing, but you get the idea. If you want to know where we're at today, why we're at today, um, well, you need to know. And, and then, of course, that'll tell you where we're headed. I just want to add one thing. Um, you know, the, the House of Rothschild helped finance Hitler. And of course, the, the founder, Mayor Amschel Rothschild, um, had five sons, but, but he himself lived from 1743 to 1812. Now, as we talk about this, the birthing of anti-Semitism, um, many will point out that the Rothschilds, well, they were Jewish, and of course the Jewish uh, stronghold over, over the uh, media and, and uh, governments, etc., etc., money, the money supply. Well, that is extremely unreasonable. It's like blaming all the Baptists for um, the crimes of the Rockefellers. It just plays into the conspiracy 
that is non-existent. There's enough. There's enough legitimate conspiracy here that we uh, we don't have to do that. But but I mean, looking at this, the Civil War, the North was financed by the Rockefellers um, via their agent. Uh, August Belmont, the South, the Erlangers, the relatives of the Rothschilds. I mean, we can get into this, and the only reason I'm bringing this up, okay, is because this, and, and if you understand Lincoln, which is so revered, Lincoln is so revered among many today. Uh, when you start to really unmask Lincoln, and I believe there's a book, Lincoln Unmasked, by that name, and you see what Lincoln did with respect to the uh, National Bank, the, the, the National Bank of the United States, and his fight against Andrew Jackson going back in time, you'll understand how the Fed was formed, or, or at least the foundations for the Fed was formed, the Federal Reserve, and um, uh, I'll just say this very quickly, and I'm going to turn it over to Joe here. Uh, the World War One was a boon, not for you and I, ladies and gentlemen, but for the money uh, lenders. It's like, you know, who, who wins in, at the Super Bowl? It doesn't matter. The owners win. The people behind the uh, the teams and the game, they're the winners. The house always wins, and this is what we're talking about uh, today. And, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. We'll get uh, back to that in just a second. Just want to reiterate an announcement we did at the beginning of the show. Folks, go to com. They are doing a special for Hagman and Hagman listeners Friday, Saturday, and Sunday uh, with the 360 uh, Linden Farms Pack. Uh, that is valued at $430. The price on American's Rival Wholesale is $360, but for the next three days, you can get it for $100 off. So Friday, Saturday, and Sunday till midnight, the Linden Farms 360 pack is only $260 by using the discount code HAGMAN. We'll mention it again at the uh, beginning of the next hour, but just wanted to say, oh, yeah, go to AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com, three-day special with code Linden Farms, one-month emergency food storage with 360 servings of 2,000 calories each with the uh, promo code Hagman, you get a hundred dollars off. It's a it's a can't miss deal. There's uh-huh. no limit per uh, per purchase. And go to America's Rival Wholesale and check out that deal. That's right. And the book I was trying to think of by Carol Quigley is Tragedy and Hope. I don't know. Uh, it, <laughs> Sorry about that. Thank you, Maria Canise, author of Prepare for Persecution. Ted, thanks for holding over. Uh, let's rock. Well, yeah. Thank you, Doug. I just I wanted to really I wanted to kind of. Most people don't understand what happened in the Middle East and what happened with the Versailles Treaty and what happened in Europe and how it was the international banking community. See, and this is the thing that Hitler, you know, who did say some things that were true in the beginning, continually pointed out that it was the international banking community that had done all of this to Germany with the Versailles Treaty. And he specifically, you know, talked about the Rothschild banking cartel. See, they knew what happened to them over there, but nonetheless, it still happened. It's like we knew when, when Barack Obama came in here eight years ago and said, I'm going to fundamentally transform the United States. We knew he was going to do something big. Now, we didn't expect this, or I did, you did, but the vast majority of the population that voted for him did not. Now, the thing we're going to have to try to do now is figure out how to stop voting fraud with the Diebold election machines, since now all the votes are no longer counted at the state level, they're counted in D.C. at the federal government level. So now it's going to be just ripe for just absolute and total voter fraud to put Hillary Clinton in. 
Now, if that happens, I don't know, Doug. I mean, if you, we if we get legitimate polls out there that shows that Trump's 15, 20% ahead, I don't think they can pull it off. But if we get polls out there that people are going to believe that they're saying 59, you know, 51, 49%, they can pretty much pull off anything at that level. So we have to make sure that we have people in the polls and we're doing exit polling so we can hopefully do something. But again, you know, a lot of the precincts in the last election had zero people voting for Romney and everybody voting for Obama, which is impossible. But nobody went in to challenge those things that I know of, Joe, if you know of any of the men who did, in the court system. I mean, you remember, you don't have to hack into every precinct just to key precincts in swing states or usually enough to, to basically swing an election. So the whole thing's kind of crazy. Now, let's start back on nutrition stuff right now. This is really an interesting story. You know, I wrote a book on ADD and ADHD. I talked about attention deficit disorder in many of my big seminars back in the 90s. And we covered the top 10 foods never to eat at, in each of the seminars that I did for 100 showings over a six or seven year period and spoke to over a million people at live seminars. That's where I shared the platform with President Bush and Colin Powell and all these guys. And one of the things that I did when I talked about number five on my top 10 list at that time, it was the junk food category. And I would talk about how 80% of the children who had been diagnosed with ADD and ADHD had blood sugar abnormalities. And that when they were have their blood sugar stabilized and got off the red dyes and the blue dyes, that a lot of people would actually have results as far as not having ADD or ADHD anymore. And then there was another man, I believe his name was, um, oh, I'll look it up, I'll look it up in a second. Uh, he was a, a doctor, and on his deathbed, and I've talked about this before, in Germany, he talked talk, talk to their Spiegel magazine, and he said that he made up the disease ADD, ADHD, and that disease didn't even exist. And that that was a giant industry that had developed from him making up that disease. Now, what's interesting about that, uh, you know, we have all of these kids who are basically on these Schedule II drugs. Hang on a second. I'm going to look this up. MD, who, uh, who uh, I'm trying to do two things at once because this is too important not to qualify, quantify this. Boy, you, you sound like me. I cannot do two things at once. Well, no, so. I'm, I'm trying to type and talk, and I don't want to... Yeah. His name was Dr. Leon Eisenberg, okay? And he said ADD is a fictitious disease. He made it up back in the 60s. He was the father of ADHD, and he basically said on his deathbed to the Der Spiegel magazine that this was something that was a complete and total bogus thing that he had done. Now, the reason I bring all of that up is this right now. Kitty cocaine has now been approved by the FDA. It approves a new ADHD amphetamine multiple sustained release drug disguised as candy. Now, I'm not making this stuff up. The problem was getting these two and three and four year old children to take their ADD medication, which are scheduled two drugs in the same category with morphine, opium, percodant, and demerol. They're scheduled two. A schedule one drug is an illegal drug. And every time I talked about this on the seminar trail back in the 90s, oh my gosh, people would go nuts. But then when I would say to them, I said, well, do you realize that when you give a child a Schedule II drug, you're putting them on a drug in the same category with morphine? And they were like, oh, we didn't know that. And so I made people get awake, at least a million of them, got awake as to what ADD drugs do, Ritalin and Adderall. Now, what's interesting is now that wasn't enough because they can't get enough of this product sold to younger children who can't swallow pills. 
So now they're using it in a orange flavor candy lozenge that lozenge that dissolves on the tongue, and the Food and Drug Administration has approved its usage now. I've seen children as young as one years of age on ADD drugs. Now, when you put a child on amphetamine salts before their brain is fully developed, it has the exact opposite effect that it does on adults. It makes them extremely calm and focused. That's why they give it to these young children. Side effects include appetite loss, insomnia, abdominal pain, emotional lability, vomiting, nervousness, nausea, fever, and stunted growth. Those who have cardiac abnormalities taking this class of pharmaceutical drug can have sudden death. It may cause psychotic or manic symptoms in patients with no prior history. It can cause exacerbations of pre-existing psychosis. The drugs are extremely addictive, hence they're scheduled to, they're amphetamines, and now this new drug is on the block. And one of the critics is worried because it's called A-D-Z-E-N-Y-S, I guess it's called adenzines. It's, it's basically like Adderall, but it's called kitty cocaine, and it tastes just like orange candy. I mean, if you thought that this New World Order Rothschild banking cartel that runs this whole pharmaceutical industry in the United States has no moral compass, you're absolutely right. And now they have approved this through the Food and Drug Administration for the use of these tiny little children who can't swallow pills. What do you guys think? It's just like, you know, the fluoride in the water. They come out and announce it's a neurotoxin, yet they refuse to take it out of the water. Um, but this is is a growing epidemic. This is satanic, Ted. But to it make is. it into a candy, mm-hmm. um, that is, it's just insane. Uh, and, and, and listen to this. Find a better word for it, cocaine. It's, it's, not even, it's not even in a bottle with a safety lid. They sell it in blister packs. So that means you pop them out. Any, any little two-year-old can pop them out. These are amphetamine salts, Schedule two drugs in blister packs, tasting like candy. And the military tells you that if you've been on ADDH drugs, like Ritalin or Adderall, that you are not allowed to serve in the military of the United States because of potential problems with abuse and all of these people who are getting out and starting on meth. This is one of the biggest reasons that methamphetamines are such an epidemic in the United States because we've had tens of millions of children go through the school system on Ritalin and Adderall in the past 40 years, 50 years, and they get out, they're 18 years of age, suddenly they're out of school, suddenly the prescription ends, and they're addicted. They're addicts to meth. To, to, to these, 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 this, this, well, methylophenidate and Ritalin, almost identical, you know, it's, they're almost identical to meth. It's just a nut thing that we have done to our children, and the majority of them have allergies to red dyes and the blue dyes. In fact, we've got on our website a program called Eat, Drink, and Be Healthy, and with that program comes a special report in which we talk about ADD and ADHD and natural treatment protocols that can be done with these kids who have a problem as part of the Eat, Drink, and Be Healthy package. I think we still have a few of those CDs left. And it was one of the primary reasons that so many people brought, bought the Eat, Drink, and Be Healthy program back in the 90s because so many of these people, remember, over 10 million kids are taking these drugs right now in the school system, and they get out, and guys... They're hooked. They're hooked on amphetamines. And they get out. They've been on these things for 10, 12, 15 years. Some of them start as infants. And all of a sudden, they don't know how to function. 
when they get into the real world and they can't stay geeked up. That's another reason that things like Red Bull and all these huge caffeine stimulant products have had such huge success because so many people feel so bad without stimulants, they've got to continually geek themselves up with coffee and with amphetamines and all these different compounds. And, of course, we see the same thing with the problem with heroin. You know, I had a, this, let me tell you another story. This week, I had a friend of mine call me up in tears. They've got a 26-year-old son, and that son has been a pothead since high school. I mean, there's no other way. No, you can't say it. Marijuana. This is why I'm opposed, except for medicinal reasons, the legalization of marijuana. It's not that it can't be used for medicinal reasons, but once it goes that anybody can buy it, it's going to be in the hands of juveniles at a very, very young age, almost immediately. This is why Colorado's turned into the pot capital of the world out there, and the problem is these guys are selling it, they're buying it at stores, and they're giving it to young kids. When young kids take these drugs, like pot, at 12, 13, 14 years of age, and they start using it on a regular basis, either eating the brownies or smoking the, 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 the weed, what ends up happening to them is they arrest their own brain development. The neurological connections that are supposed to take place during adolescence stops. And so whatever age they were when they start drinking or smoking or eating this stuff, they end up basically arresting their development at that point, and that's where they stay. So if they have a 14-year-old mindset, and they start heavily hitting the pot, they're going to be 14 the rest of their life as far as neurological development. That's why we have so many kids now that are in their 30s that are still living in a home in mommy's basement because they've arrested their own development because they don't want to get out. They're just kids. Now, what's interesting about this is this man paid for his child to be through college knowing this kid was a pothead, stayed stoned all of the time, all the way through college, graduated with a very low GPA, the minimum you could to graduate. Then he's had multiple jobs this year already. Finally, he's got another job, and now they call me up and they say, we don't know what to do. He's in liver failure. Okay? He's in kidney failure and liver failure. And I'm like, great, this is just absolutely awful. And, you know, what can we do to help him? And my response was very succinct to them. And I said, look, I love you guys. I love your family. I love your son. You guys are absolutely awesome people. But your son is a drug addict, period. And they said, well, he only smokes in the morning when he gets out of bed, and then he smokes when he gets home in the afternoon from work. Okay, I just made my point. He's smoking pot laced with who knows what in the morning before he goes to work and in the evening as soon as he comes home. So that's probably why he's had multiple jobs, but I don't know this this year because he's probably gotten urine tested and got kicked out, kicked out, kicked out, kicked out, kicked out. So the craziest thing is this. I told him, I said, guys, I would love to be able to help you guys, but his blood tests are so bad, you guys need to go see a specialist, a nephrologist, and somebody who's going to be trained in liver. And I said, and you guys got to try to figure out exactly what's going on with him because there's no telling what's happening. He could be taking oxycodone, which is loaded with Tylenol, along with, you know, morphine. I said, he's got to find, we've got to find out where this thing is headed and what his problems are. But unless he's willing to change his entire lifestyle, you know, taking a few supplements isn't going to help. He's got to learn that he can't stay stoned every day and every hour of his entire life yet to come if he lives for another six weeks or eight weeks or 12 weeks or if he can recover from all this. So, guys, we've got a major, major problem with drugs in the United States. If you've got children that you have living at home with you right now that are smoking pot, 
I've got another friend of mine. He's got a kid who started smoking pot at 13. It elevates your estrogen levels when you're in pot. That's why it causes gynomastia, which is the enlargement of the breast tissue with these kids who drink and who smoke a lot of this stuff. And what's happening is this kid's now 16 years old. This other kid that I know, he's been smoking this stuff for three years. And he cries himself to sleep every night because his estrogen levels are so high because he's afraid his parents are going to send him into rehab where he won't be able to get his drugs. I mean, this whole thing is nuts. We've got an entire generation of children now that are addicted to video games. They're addicted to Adderall. They're addicted to Ritalin. Now they'll be addicted to the, to the, to the candy cocaine. And they're also addicted to the opiates. And they're addicted to marijuana. This is what the... New World Order wanted. They wanted to destroy the United States by coming after the children, each progressive generation, making it worse and worse and worse. Anything that debilitates both my body, mind, soul, spirit, these guys want. Because their master, Lucifer, wants to enslave the entire population of the planet. That's what this whole goal's about, to have a one-world religion, one-world government, and a one-world king or God, the Antichrist. If you don't believe me, go read the book of Revelation. That's the goal these guys are shooting for. But this kitty cocaine, this kitty cocaine that can be given to infants, blows my mind. The youngest I ever saw when I was in clinical practice back in the 80s was a child that had come in that was two years of age that had been put on amphetamine salts, Ritalin, because basically the kid was too hyper at two. I got a news flash for you. You got a two-year-old and they're healthy, they're going to be hyper. They're in the world, they're trying to figure out how things work, and they're going to be running around. It's just part of it. That's why we always call them the terrific twos, okay? Because it's a challenge to get through the twos, because they're into everything, they're touching everything, they're putting everything in their mouth, because that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to learn by their behavior, not to be drugged into a stupor on an amphetamine salt. What do you guys think? You're exactly right. And you know, Ted... um one thing that my research has borne out, and I, and I think that, that yours probably has as well, the drugs in particular, the, um, uh, well, if I can just kind of jump over to, and it's not, not a very far jump, but to LSD, in that the uh, manufacturing of LSD back in the uh, mid 20th century, uh, and how that all came about, the use of the drugs that we're seeing today, not just by physicians in the uh, clinical world, but also by the intelligence agencies. I mean, th- th- there's overlap here. And in addition to the money, it's and, and in addition to the drugging of our children, there's also this this um, uh, even more nefarious aspect of what we're seeing, and that is to create. Uh, not zombies, but but uh, but effectively Manchurian candidates, as well as those who will go along with the with the New World Order. I mean, this is intertwined, deeply that's intertwined. Right. It uh, is, you know. So uh, you're and, exactly and that, right. And that's why it always goes back to the same players. Now, here's an interesting article. Speaking of that, with LSD, the San Francisco Chronicle put an article on the CIA's LSD and sex house they had in San Francisco back in the 50s. On April the 1st, 16, they just released it. The article basically was talking about Operation Midnight Climax. It was a top-secret mind-control program in which CIA agents used hookers to lure unsuspecting Johns from North Beach bars to what they call the pad. 
Then they dosed the men with LSD and observed the X-rated goings-on through a two-wheel mirror by sitting on a portable toilet drinking martinis. I kid you not. I'm not making this stuff. You can go read it out of the San Francisco Chronicle. Here's the article. On an elegant dead-end block on the north side of Telegraph Hill is 225 Chestnut Street, a swanky modernistic building with panoramic bay views. It's about the last place you would have expected to find a clandestine CIA program during the Cold War. Yet from 1955 to 1965, this building was the site of Operation Midnight Climax. As John Marks notes in his 1977 book, The Search for the Manchurian Candidate, the CIA and mind control, the CIA's obsession with mind control had its origins during World War II, and that was through basically the concentration camps, when the agency's predecessor, the Officer of Strategic Services, set up a truth drug program whose purpose was to discover a substance that would make subjects reveal their secrets, the choice of drug was concentrated liquid form of marijuana. The first field test held in 1943 was administered to a New York mobster by the name of George White. He was a tough guy, OSS captain, who had been an agent in the Federal Bureau of Narcotics. The results were promising. White's sidekick said every subject but one, and he didn't smoke, gave us more information than he had before, but ultimately it was inconclusive. Then the CIA was created in 1947. It continued to do mind control experiments. And remember, this is through, again, the concentration camps and the guys that were brought in through Operation Play Paperclip. That's why, you know, it was MK Ultra program, which mind control, which is K for Germany. With the enemy now being communism, Eastern Bloc show trials like the Hungarian Cardinal Joseph Minizenti, who in 1949 confessed to crimes he apparently did not commit, reports of communist brainwashing of the Korean War led the CIA to fear there was a mind control gap and the U.S. was in second place. So the CIA authorized covert mind and behavioral control programs. Drugs were given to people deemed expendable, including North Koreans, metal patients, prisoners, and addicts. Before the programs were shot down, hundreds of scientists would work on them. But in 1943, a Swiss chemical scientist named Albert Hoffman developed an unbelievably powerful drug called LSD. When the technical branch of the CIA learned about this drug, the gung-ho head of the chemical division, a young chemist named Sidney Gottlieb, persuaded CIA official Richard Helms that the agency should investigate it as a spy tool. And they put a budget of $300,000. They called it MK Ultra. The Compliments CIA. of Alan Dulles, by the way. I know, I know. Guys, we're not making this stuff up. This is what they did. The CIA began to fund LSD projects at many institutions, including Columbia University, there you go, Mount Sinai Hospital, informed consent and other moral niceties were dispensed with. One researcher, researcher kept seven subjects, junkies, enticed by promises of hard drugs, on LSD for 77 straight days. No follow-up then was ever done. The CA was extremely dangerous, playing a dangerous game. And 53 Gottlieb doused a CIA colleague, Frank Golson, causing Coles Olson to undergo mental crisis and end up with him failing, falling to his death from a 10-story building. Okay, whatever. He, probably, he may have committed suicide. He may have been killed. But this horrific incident only put MK Ultra temporarily on hold. Gottlieb soon hired White the narcotics agent and former OSS captain to run two safe houses for LSD testing in Greenwich Village while White administered LSD knockout drugs to marijuana to his unwitting guests using food, drinks, cigarettes, and then try to get them to talk. I mean, this goes on and on and on. In 55, White was transferred to San Francisco where he worked as a journalist and rented out the apartment on Telegraph Hill to give his pad the desired French whorehouse look. White furnished it with 
Toulouse Latrus posters, a picture of a French can-can dancer, and kinky photos of women in bondage and in denomination poses. It was supposed to be, oh, look, it was supposed to look rich, okay? Watching the show. Then he saw bugging equipment in a two-way mirror, and he'd sit on a toilet drinking martinis as prostitutes had these johns come in, and they were dosed with LSD. I mean, this actually happened, guys. The project continued until 1933, when the inspector general stumbled upon the safe house and raised a ruckus, and the chestnut pad was shuttered in 1965. I mean, this is absolutely nuts. And again, you can read this article from the San Francisco Chronicle on the CIA's LSD and sex house, dated 4-1-16, just a couple of weeks, months months ago, and you can look it up and read it. This is our government. This is the CIA. And remember what I told you guys when we talked about chemtrails and what they're doing. Our population, we've sold out our company, our, 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 the, us, we the voter, have put communists and also people in the, in the government, the senators and the congressmen, who are both pedophiles, alcoholics, drug abusers, the list goes on and on. They've turned around and sold it out to the secret groups of the CIA. The CIA has then, you know, been given, given over to the, the military, well, actually we give it to the military, the military gave it to the CIA, and the CIA has given it over to the Luciferians, the Rothschilds, which I'm sure Gottlieb was probably part of that whole group too. So that's the thing that we have to realize is this is the country that we're in. This is when it started. They started after World War II because after World War II they knew that nationalism was at an all-time high because we had defeated the Nazis, and they knew that they could pretty much do anything, and nobody would believe it, Doug. And that's the problem. Until the mainstream media was taken over by the Rothschild banking cartel starting in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s with Hollywood and the Red Scare back in the 50s, and they, and, and they, and they tried to expose it all. You know, I, what was the name of the guy who tried to expose the Red Scare in Hollywood? Uh, McCarthy. McCarthy basically tried to tell everybody what was happening, and nobody would listen. And these guys now have taken over this Rothschild cartel, the same guys who did the Versailles Treaty, the same guys who did the Balfour Declaration, the same guys who run the Federal Reserve. These guys have now taken over our entire system as far as news in the United States. We have seven corporations that are basically controlling 95% of the news, and they're telling us what we're supposed to believe. And they lie to the American population so much, it's crazy. Here's another article. I mean, you guys have another comment on that? I mean, that was a lot of stuff I just covered. You want to talk about this LSD house well, in San Francisco? Well, I just want to say this, Ted, that uh, it, it, people, uh, look, it was November of 2012 that uh, Frank Olson, who you spoke of, LSD, jumping out a 10-story window, um, the uh, his sons Eric and Nils Olson filed suit in U.S. District Court in Washington D.C. They sought unspecified co- uh, com- compensatory damages, as well as access to documents related to their father's death. Well, that that the CAA had withheld from them. The case was dismissed in July 2013, due in part, folks, listen to this, to the 1976 settlement between the family and the government. So this was settled, and I, I should go back and say this. Uh, there was an autopsy, or uh, a second autopsy done back in 1994. This is so fascinating that found evidence you know, from this secondary autopsy, some what 40 years after uh, his mysterious death, that suggested torture. Um, I, that's my word now, because looking at the autopsy uh, general findings, torture. So I guess the reason I brought this up, uh, Ted. 
I've been hearing from certain people this is somewhat still going on today, the use of drugs, mind control. Um, and, and to this day, the, the FBI, many of the behavioral analysis unit uh, uh, departments of the FBI and other intelligence agencies saying, for example, this uh, 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 MPD and DID, they don't exist. They're covering up for something huge. And, and this is all part of a larger game plan, and that's all I wanted to say, is people just have to understand how this all fits into the tapestry of the machinations of the global elite. You're doing a great job. This is fabulous stuff. Well, no, you're right. That's exactly how the machinations work, and this is what they're doing. They're doing their best to destroy the United States. They're doing it one person at a time. One shot of fluoride at a time. You know, can, kitty cocaine. Now, I mean, it's all about destroying by, and Shelton Emery said it so great in his little book, Billions for the Bankers and Debts for the People, which are allowed, you can read online for free. And he said they do everything to destroy the body, the soul, the mind, anything that destroys people, pornography, drugs, anything, they promote, they promote, they promote, they promote, they promote, they promote, because they know it debilitates people. It turns people into a, quote, victim mentality in which they can no longer be a victor. Now they are a victim, and now they don't want to try to fight against the system because the system is supporting them as a victim, and so now they don't want to be a victor, and so they just they just basically they just stop. They stop fighting against the system. They stop trying to be a victor, and they just become a victim, and they fall into themselves, and they go, Oh my gosh, don't you know I have ADD? Oh, don't you know I have ADHD? Oh, don't you know I've got rheumatoid arthritis? Oh, don't you know I'm on Prozac? Oh, don't you know I've got osteoarthritis? Oh, don't you know I have high cholesterol? Oh, don't you know I've got heart disease? Oh, don't you know I've got diabetes? Oh, don't you know I'm taking all of these drugs? Don't you know I'm taking 25 prescription drugs? I can't go to the state capitol and protest. I can't do anything. I'm on all these drugs. I'm the victim here. They're taking care of me. I'm not going to say anything. And that's the mentality. Doug and Joe, they've put hundreds of millions of Americans into now with all of these drugs they've put us on, both legal and illegal. They forced a trillion dollars a year of heroin is coming out of Afghanistan. And last week, the government said they're going to keep troops in Afghanistan indefinitely. The reason for that, they'll never tell you this, they got to protect the poppy fields. Because the poppy and the heroin and that money gets transferred into the Exchange Stability Fund that was formed in 1934 and funds the black ops and controls and funds the shadow government. That money is basically being used to enslave us by this Rothschild banking cartel that runs the Treasury through the Exchange Stability Fund. And guys, you've got to do research on that particular thing, that Exchange Stability Fund. It's like Doug said, there was a guy who did a bunch of stuff on that and suddenly, boy, they shut him up, but his stuff is still online, and you can read it. And he says right there in his own video that basically the Treasury and the Rothschilds became one. That's how they control everything through the money supply. So, guys, it's crazy. Here's another article. Stomach acid blockers, this is the stuff that people take when they have acid reflux, have now been linked to brain damage and kidney disease. Acid blockers cause brain damage and kidney disease and increased risk of Alzheimer's by up to 50% and kidney disease up to 50%. But that's exactly what the science is telling us, but they don't care. Now, what's interesting about acid blockers, let me tell you about what this is. When you 
have food go, when you chew food in your mouth, you release an enzyme called salivary amylase, which helps to digest the starches. That's why you need to re-chew all your food really, really well when you digest it, and your protein, et cetera, especially if you're eating meat. Then it goes into your stomach, and when it gets into your stomach, your stomach secretes hydrochloric acid. Now, as you swallow it, it goes through your esophagus. At the base of the esophagus, at the top of the stomach, there's what's called an esophageal sphincter. And when that stomach gets sufficient quantities of acid in it to digest the food that's in that stomach, it clamps that sphincter shut. It's like a, like a valve and it closes it. So when you lay on your back, acid doesn't pour back up inside of your esophagus and cause esophageal erosion or hiatal hernia, some people call these things also. And it doesn't burn you in your throat and it doesn't cause all of these problems. So what ends up happening is the vast majority of the people in the United States over the age of 40, they can't digest their food properly more than they need digestive enzymes. That's why we produce the highest quality digestive enzymes that we can possibly produce in the world at healthmasters.com. And you can take three or four of these digestive enzymes with each meal. And what happens is it gives you enough acid in your stomach that it causes that esophageal sphincter to close. So it stops the acid reflux, stops the acid indigestion, helps to stop the gas. All of this stuff stops when you do this. Now, Instead of allowing people to increase their acid in their stomach, they say, oh, the problem is you're producing too much acid, which is a lie. It's not enough acid. And so what they do, they put them what's called a proton pump inhibitor, which stops the production of hydrochloric acid in the stomach. And so the food goes in there. Now there's not enough acidity to digest the food. So that person starts having all kinds of health problems. When they can't digest their food, they can't digest their antioxidants, they can't, they can't digest their vitamin A or their E or their C or their selenium, and they end up in a situation where their body starts to get Decayed, it starts to run down because they run into mineral imbalances and mineral and vitamin deficiencies. And what ends up happening is now they are linking this to brain damage, 50% up to a 15% increase in Alzheimer and kidney disease by taking these proton pump inhibitors. Plus, they're very hard to get off of. Despite the evidence conventional medicine gives us, proton pump inhibitors to treat stomach pain and acid reflux, which works by eliminating acid production, make the problem even worse. Unfortunately, the bad news doesn't stop here. Recent studies have revealed a frightening spectrum of side effects caused by acid blockers. A large study published in the Journal of American Medical Association Neurology found proton pump inhibitors to be linked with dementia and Alzheimer's disease. The study found that the regular use of these compounds increased the risk of dementia by as much as 52% compared with non-users. Two new studies have linked acid blockers with chronic kidney disease. The increase in this risk is now cited between 20 and 50%. Another study found that these drugs may raise the risk of heart attack by up to 20%. Other studies have shown that these products now also damage the lining of the blood vessels and thus promote cardiovascular effects. I mean, this list just goes on and on and on, and all you got to do is take some digestive enzymes. Sometimes you can take like a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, and that'll work too to help increase the acid. But be very careful with that, that it doesn't touch your teeth, because the apple cider vinegar will dissolve the enamel on your teeth, and then you have problems with cavities and your teeth looking really bad. So you don't want to do that either. Be very careful you use the apple cider vinegar, and make sure you always dilute it with a little bit of water. But I personally use, when I need them, the digestive enzymes, and they work really, really well. Now, in the morning, I take a protein shake, which has all kinds of digestive enzymes built into it. It's a little pricey because there's like six different things I put in it. But I've used that product now for like four years, and I pretty much can eat anything I want whenever I want to eat, and I don't have any acid reflux or acid indigestion at all anymore. I can lay down after I eat, no problems at all, and I'm 60 years old. 
but I drink that shake every single morning. In fact, when I went to Germany, I brought that shake with me. Now, it wasn't as tasty in the morning when I had it in Germany because I had to use a shaker and I had to mix it up with water that we have, you know, that we get from the gym, you know, non fluoride chlorinated water and I would drink it every single morning before we had breakfast at the hotel because I knew if I didn't do that every single day Doug within a week I'd start having acid problems again with my stomach and I'd start having heartburn it doesn't feel like having a it feels like you're having a heart attack it's ridiculous how bad it hurts your chest Ted um, the shake that you reference okay um, you sell the components the ingredients for that yeah but it's, it, it's pricey Doug but I sell it yes I do sell the shake and, it's, and it works phenomenally well yeah, but everything together on that shake probably runs between three and four hundred bucks. It's expensive, and that's not per huh. month. It'll, it'll last you. It'll last you a couple of months, but it's just pricey in the morning. But to me, that's my breakfast every single day. So the way I look at it is, if it's cost me five bucks for breakfast or whatever, whatever, I don't care. Yeah, I'm gonna eat. Yeah. I'm gonna drink that shake because I got so tired of going out all the time and having to make sure I had those digestive enzymes. Now the digestive enzymes are cheap. They're like twenty bucks a bottle, and they work phenomenally. But that's also when I don't have access to the shake for an extended period of time, I will use digestive enzymes. But I tell you what, guys, you know, unless you've had acid reflux or those types of conditions, you have no idea how much of a nuisance this is. Can I toss a question at you here? Because, sure. Uh, okay, uh, uh, personal experience, true story. I was with a, a, a guy about my age, and uh, we were sitting, actually, we were sitting at a coffee shop, and I could hear his stomach just growling and rolling, and just, it, it sounded like, uh, Man, I don't know what it sounded like, except it was just extremely disturbing. Okay, um, what? And he had nothing to eat um, when it started. He had, a, uh, I think, like a muffin or something, and then, but it continued. And I asked him. I said, "You are right, you know, because I mean, and this sounds really strange, okay? But since we're talking about digestive issues here, I have to think that this is related to some sort of digestion problem." And he said, man, I don't know, it just started here a couple of uh, weeks ago. Uh, you know, it's like constant, uh, like a rumbling, grumbling, growling, and, and very noticeable. I, I mean, I was surprised that people at the next table weren't looking over. Uh, what caught, is, is this, I mean, am well, I out hey, to lunch? It, 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 this is an age-related thing, Doug. I mean, before I turned 45, I could pretty much eat anything I wanted to eat whenever I wanted to eat. I never had a problem. And all of a sudden, I started feeling that I started feeling like I had a chest pain. You know, going through my chest, to my left chest, and my left arm. Well, because I had that pericarditis back in 1983, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, what's going on with this? You know, I, I had, so I immediately went in and I had a cardiogram done. I said, yeah, I got to check to make sure this is okay. Well, then I, then, and so I finally began to realize, I said, this has nothing to do with my heart. This has to do with my digestion. So then I started taking the digestive enzymes. And like I said, a few years ago, I was able, I discovered this protein shake that I take that pretty much took care of all of that. But again, it's easy to take care of. It's 20 bucks for the bottle of digestive enzymes, and you take anywhere from two to four to six, depending on what you eat, and you don't have any problems with it. And when I discovered that, I thought, wow, this is ridiculous, because as your friend has now seen, there's a certain point in time when your digestive enzymes stop doing what they're supposed to do, and you start to not have the digestive abilities that you had when you were younger. And when that happens, you start having nutrient deficiencies because your body's then living on reserve minerals, reserve vitamins in your system because they can't digest the other ones properly. That's what's so important about the vitamins that you take. That's why at Health Masters, we use cellulose gel capsules or liquid in capsules so when you digest it and it breaks open in your stomach, it automatically goes directly into the intestinal tract or into the the stomach or to the large intestine wherever it's designed if it's a sustained release to be opened up to be absorbed 
And now this is why it's so important that you don't take shellac-coated vitamins that have a hard shellac coating on top of them, which your body has to try to break down, which in most cases it can't. That's why these guys who run these portalettes, they're always telling you they've got screens in them because these things get filled with vitamins. So these guys using these portalettes, and the vitamins go right straight through them, and their body can't even utilize them. That's why if you're going to take supplements anyhow, thank you for getting the stuff from Health Master because we use cellulose gel capsules in powder, and they are amazing how quickly they break down in your system. We've got a B, we have a methylated B vitamin that'll give you so much energy that you won't know what to do with yourself if you take four of those things in the morning, and you feel good all the time. And you've got to take them every day because remember B vitamins are water soluble they flush right out of your system they're the there's they're there what makes your urine yellow but if they're not methylated 40% of the population can't even use their B vitamins anymore so that's why you know we want to thank you guys all of you guys for supporting healthmasters.com even if all you get from us is your multiple vitamin which is like $25 if everybody listening to the Hagman Show would buy a bottle of multivitamins from Health Masters, it would change the way you feel, and it would help support us and all the radio and TV and all the stuff that we're doing now. And also, I'm on that little, little kicking parade right there. Please go to the Hagman website and, and, and support Doug. If, like if everybody gave him five, ten, fifteen, twenty dollars as a gift, it would make a huge difference as far as paying for all of the studio, the equipment, the cameras, and everything else that they're doing. All of us working together in aggregate. All of you listening tonight, if you gave Doug 5 or $10, it's not going to change your lifestyle one bit. But it'll change everything that Doug is doing. I mean, it'll change everything. I mean, I remember when we were doing the uh, seminars, I'd tell folks this with our Eat, Drink, and Be Healthy program. It was 100 bucks, right? I'd say, look... You'll spend a hundred dollars on a pair of tennis shoes. You'll spend a hundred bucks going out and getting something to eat if you take the whole family out. Heck, if you go out and buy tickets for the movie nowadays and you bring six people with you, you're going to spend sixty, seventy bucks going to the movies. Now, for a hundred dollars, you can get the Eat, Drink, and Be Healthy program, which is the cost of a new pair of tennis shoes for most of you guys, and that'll change your life forever. See, that's how we used to tell folks at the seminars. You got to understand that health is your most valuable asset. See, that's why you need to support Doug Hagman. Because if just a few of you were to go out and realize what he's doing to change the entire world, you guys don't understand the negative emails and crap we've got to put up with and the letters. Oh, God, the letters that come to the office, the ridiculously stupid letters from these people who want to say everything that you said in your entire life since the beginning of time is wrong. And you've got to deal with that nonsense. And the boxes that come in that you're scared to open that they may have something in them that's not good. Or that years ago when I got poisoned by that stinking witch, you know, opening up a letter. I mean, all these crazy things happen, you know, that people don't understand that, you know, we have to deal with on an ongoing basis. So when you guys show your support of Hagman and Hagman or Health Masters, I mean, think about this way, guys. You guys are all out there buying multiple vitamins anyhow, Walmart or Target or Vitamin Shop or whatever. Now, some of those products may be good, some of them may be bad. Probably most of them are awful. I mean, how many of them cellulose gel capsules, and you don't feel a bit of difference when you take your supplements? You can support us, and for the same money, feel great. See, that's the thing I try to tell everybody who listens to our show every day and Doug's show. You know, we've talked about now Health Masters, what, for 90 seconds? Now I'm done with it? So, guys, thank you support for supporting Health Masters. I, I just want to echo that. Doug. Yeah. Look, folks, um, save your money with respect to uh, Walmart or Walgreen brand uh, supplements and uh, put put the extra into uh, the the uh, uh, multivitamin at Health Masters because I will say this, I have never felt, you, you know, when you take a supplement, if, if you don't feel any different, you tend to, like, not 
think about yeah I, I don't know all I can say is this um, health masters nutritional supplements are the best the absolute best in the that's just my personal uh, not not opinion but uh, after taking them I feel great I mean the vitamin B, by the way the, the B vitamins I don't know what's in those things but man yeah you t- you take four in the morning and um, yeah I'm good for I'm good for about the six hours. Eight hours, maybe, you know. Well, no, so. that's, that's the same thing with me. And see, and also our multiple vitamin also has the methylated Bs, just not in the concentration. That's why people said I've taken vitamins my whole life. I've never felt a difference. I start on your products, man. I feel great. I mean, I mean, feel great within thirty days. Cannot believe how I feel. You start just on B vitamins and the multiple, you won't believe how great you feel in a couple of days. I mean, it's ridiculous how fast it hits you because the product is assimilated by the body because it's in the cellulose gel caps and it's not covered in shellac and it doesn't use calcium carbonate, which is basically rock, as a fill a filling agent, a filler agent. That that's unbelievably hard on building in your arteries. Just the other day, I did a big national talk show out of out of uh, out of Arizona. The guy's been around for years and years and years, and the guy just underwent bypass surgery. And he said to me, he goes, "Why did I do this?" He starts he starts telling me all of his products that he's taking, right, and promoting this other company's products. And finally, I said to him, I said, "You know, what about your diet?" He tells me his diet. His diet's pretty clean, but he had to have a five way bypass. And see, now they're telling me, he says, now they're telling me that my arteries are plugged up again. And I looked at him and I said, dude, do your products contain calcium carbonate as a binding agent? I said, do your products, are they capsules, are they cellulose gel caps with powder in them, or are they solid tableted vitamins? He goes, well, no, they're solid tableted vitamins. I said, do they contain calcium carbonate? He goes, I don't know. So after I got off the show, and I, told, I warned him, I said, if they contain calcium carbonate, they're going to massively increase your risks of heart disease and plugging up your arteries. And sure enough, I went, this is a national, national line of vitamins. I tell you the name, you know who it is immediately right now. It's, it's from a Christian guy. And I looked it up, and almost every single product they manufacture use calcium carbonate as a binding agent, Doug. Now, guys, I'm telling you, you're getting what you pay for with this stuff. So, but enough of that. Let's start on the next, let's start on the next thing. University installs vending machines to peddle drugs directly to students without pharmaceutical Middlemen by simply placing their prescription in the machine. <laughs> I mean, what could be wrong with this? This is accessing pharmaceutical drugs at Arizona State University will be soon quick and easy as getting a candy bar with an ATM-like drug vending machine slated for installation at the school's health services building in the coming weeks. Reports indicate that the 1,500-pound machine manufactured by Minnesota-based Instimeds will dispense all types of all sorts of over-the-counter and prescription medications in lieu of the campus pharmacy, which was officially closed. I mean, are you kidding me? Now we have vending machines kicking out stuff. I mean, Doug, how in the world are they going to verify the people that are getting these drugs, and what type of drugs are they going to give to these kids? I mean, I can't even believe this stuff is happening. But again, you've got to look at who's doing this. It's the Rothschild banking cartel who owns the pharmaceutical corporations. It's the Rothschild banking cartel who owns the media. It's the Rothschild banking cartel who puts the media advertising on every single night promoting their drugs to debilitate the minds and the bodies of the people in the United States. It always goes back to these guys. And the sad part about it is, is that years ago, back in the 90s, before Clinton allowed the FCC to be deregulated, that it was illegal for one corporation to own more than one radio station in a given market, 
And all these different radio stations, all these different markets, we're always looking for guests on health. Sometimes I do 40 talk shows in the secular market a week, Doug. This is 25 years ago. And when Clinton deregulated that and allowed channels like Clear Channel to come in and literally buy up every single station in the market, they started pushing edicts through. They weren't putting natural health people on radio any longer because it interfered with their advertising and their marketing. And I had that told to me by multiple, multiple station managers and top producers of shows. And so what ended up happening is, gradually, as all these stations were bought up through the 90s, that's why every time you listen to the station, it's the same news. It's the AP News, it's the same guest, or they syndicate and they put one person on who has 100 stations or 200 stations, and they bring the same guests on. It's always the same nonsense, the Hollywood dribble, you know, the transvestite dribble, all of the nonsense, no real true information coming out any longer because they've been pretty much told not to put these people on. Now, I know that from a fact because I was censored by Fox News in Tampa, Florida, from talking about aspartame on the Kathy Fountain show on my second appearance. And I've talked to you guys about that before. And now, of course, Kathy Fountain's off the air. This happened back in the 90s. And they were told that we could not talk about aspartame. And right after that, they had a show called The Investigators. And they did a whole show on bovine growth hormone, which was also being controlled by Monsanto. And Monsanto killed the show. In fact, they actually sued the network, lost their jobs, all kinds of other stuff happened. You guys can watch it on YouTube. And see, this is what's happening. We're being censored, Doug, and we're not being told the truth. And so sooner or later, they're going to throw their little Internet kill switch. But golly, guys, you now know what's going on, and they can't put the genie back in the bottle again. Here's another one. Now they're coming up with vaccines for heroin and prescription drug addiction so that people can't get addicted to heroin and they can't get addicted to prescription drugs. They're going to now give you a vaccine for that. Are they joking? No, they're not. The truth of the matter is there's 250 vaccines in the pipeline right now. And they're trying to force all of these into the shot schedules for these kids, just like they're doing with Gardasil right now. They're trying to get Gardasil in the shot schedule for these little bitty babies. I mean, for you know, what's, what is a, what is a, a three-month-old baby even need immunization for because their entire immune system is predicated on the use of breast milk and getting all the antibodies they need from the mother's breast milk. And that, that's how their immune systems work the first year. But they bring you in for these shots as an infant because it brings you into a habit of going to the doctors every six months, getting a well baby checkup, and then you get more immunizations. It's unbelievable what's happening in the United States. So now they want to give us a vaccine for heroin and prescription drug addiction. So these same guys that are addicting us to heroin and prescription drugs now want to develop a vaccine against heroin and prescription drug addiction. What do you guys think about that, guys? Problem, reaction, solution. There you go. Yep. That's exactly right. And, you know, I know we're fixing to come to a break here, but here's another article. And it says, many doctors vaccinate out of fear. And this is very interesting. And this lady goes on. Her name is Marco Caceres. She goes, I feel sorry for doctors. I really do. It must be a terrible thing to live and work in fear. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about the few about the fear of making a mistake or harming your patient as an observing physician. What I'm telling you about is the fear of not following standard medical procedure. 
fact, she, he goes on to say, no, the fear I'm talking about is a fear that many doctors have about speaking their mind when it comes to controversial issues such as vaccination. Retired neurosurgeon Russell Blaylock often mentions in his lectures how he encounters doctors that either do not agree with his recommended schedule of vaccines, or, or the, with the recommended vaccine, not his because he doesn't believe in vaccines, or have some serious problems with mainstream vaccine science. However, they're scared because they don't want to be labeled quacks. I mean, are you joking me? This is crazy. They don't want to have their boards, the licenses suspended, and they go on and on and on. Plus, if they start, if they don't write enough prescriptions, they get contacted by the manufacturers of these drug companies and want to know why they're not writing the prescription, guys. It's, it's nuts. Absolutely. Hold that thought, Ted. We'll be right back after these short messages. You're listening to this Friday edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report with Dr. Ted Brewer. His website is healthmasters.com. That's healthmasters.com. Sign up for his uh, email alert and uh, check out his book, Breakthrough Health. We'll be right back after these short messages. Stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network. You may never look your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond, you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stain by Blood. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this hour of the Hagman the Hagman Reporter. Very special guest, Dr. Ted Brower, healthmasters.com. Take advantage of his specials there. Um, if there's no coupon code, code uh, promo code, we'll just make one up and, and j- just drive uh, both Ted and Austin crazy. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Folks, visit healthmasters.com for all of your nutritional supplements needs. That's healthmasters.com. And uh, I, I want to say this. It's impossible to understand the world today without knowing what the electronic or I'm sorry exchange stabilization fund that's the exchange stabilization fund ESF is and what it has been doing officially in charge of defending the dollar the ESF is the government agency that controls the New York Fed runs the CIA black budget is the architect of the world's monetary system, that is to say the IMF, the World Bank, and so on, ESF financing through the OSS, and 
subsequently the CIA, built up the worldwide propaganda network, which has so badly distorted history today, including erasing awareness of its existence from popular consciousness. In other words, revising history. It's been directly involved in virtually every major U.S. fraud or scandal since its creation in 1934. The London Gold Pool, the Kennedy assassinations, plural, that is, Iran-Contra, CIA drug trafficking, HIV, yes, I said HIV, and worse, folks, go to marketskeptics.com, marketskeptics.com. The author, well, the actual uh, man behind the research and subsequent uh, creation of a five-part video series, Eric D. Carbonell, that is marketskeptics.com. This was published back in June of 2011. It took him uh, uh, close to a year to research and months to put together, and that's what uh, Dr. Ted Brower was talking about during hour number one and part of hour number two. That's the ESF, or the Exchange Stabilization Fund. It is just an amazing uh, insight into where we are today. Watch all five uh, series uh, parts. By the way, I'm going to be on uh, with uh, uh, Dave Hodges from 9 to 10 this Sunday night. That's Eastern Time on the Common Sense Show, heard right here on the Global Star Radio Network. Quick announcement before we get back to Ted Brewer. Um, American Survival Wholesale is running a fantastic special for Friday. Saturday and Sunday. It's a three-day special of the Linden Farms one-month emergency food storage pack, and the pack um, is priced on American Survival Wholesale for $360. You will not find a price lower on the planet, but even uh, lower than $360. If you use the promo code Hagman um, anytime in the next three days before Sunday at midnight, you can get this pack for Two hundred and sixty dollars. That's a hundred dollars off the uh, price that American Survival Wholesale has been selling them for, and um, almost two hundred dollars, hundred eighty dollars off the actual value of this pack. So take advantage of it. Again, the special runs Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It expires at midnight on Sunday. The Linden Farms three sixty pack, a hundred dollars off using the discount code Hagman. All right. Ted, third and final hour, you've uh, gone through so much information. Where do you want to take us in this hour? Well, I'm going to call Austin up if the show's over within an hour since Doug wants me to do a coupon. We're going to do Doug Book again, D-O-U-G-B-O-O-K, and everybody who puts an order in with Health Master is going to get a free book. And uh, we're going to go ahead and crank that one back cool. up again. I think I think that one uh, we can turn that one back on pretty easily, and so that's what I want to do. And I'll have I'll have Austin do that immediately when we get off the show tonight, which is like a twenty five dollar book. Now, if you've already got the Breakthrough Health, and you want one of our other books, uh, we may or may not have them in inventory any longer. But what you can do in the comments section of your order, just put down that you already have a copy of that book and you want this book. And if we have it available to you for you, I will send it to you. Uh, give me like two or three to send you in your list of your descending list so your number one book your number two book your number three book and sooner or later we're going to have one of those in inventory I know we have some of the great some of the train up your children and the way they should eat books available still we also have books in there that are on the uh, the healthy country cooking and I know we have maximum memory still and we also have maximum energy 
I've never put that one in this before because it's a hardback book and it's really pricey for me to buy. But we do have a couple hundred of those in stock. It is a hardback edition from the book I wrote back in 1999, which sold close to a million copies. It's a huge, huge bestseller. And uh, that book has never been given away before. It's called Maximum Energy. And that is only why supplies last on that book. I won't be reordering those for inventory. So you guys at the Hagman Broadcast may, may, may as well get those books because they're really nice and they're hardback and they cover the top 10 foods never to eat. That book does and it goes into detail. I've written, I've written a chapter in there on aspartame and the chapter is called Aspartame, a chronicle of crime. And I actually talk about the behind the deal scenes that happen, how that product got approved. And I go into micro detail on why you should never use that product. So if you've got a person or someone you love that's hooked on diet sodas, that's the book you want because I have not yet reproduced that chapter in any of my other books. So that's available for you for free tonight when you order anything. Actually, I think the, I think the coupon set up for either fifty or a hundred dollars, Doug. Because what I was what was happening, I was having people order a bar for like two dollars of energy bar to get a free book, and I had to say, well, we can't do that. So I, I, I no, it really happened. I did I didn't think it would, but I think it did. So it's either set up for fifty dollars or a hundred dollars. And this book's a hardback book. It's a twenty five, twenty eight, twenty eight dollar value with shipping, and we're not going to charge you any extra freight for it if you order over a hundred dollars. And you can get that book or any of the other books that we have in inventory. But that Maximum Energy book, and again, this is only why supplies last. I don't think we have. I don't think we have 50 of those things left in inventory, but that is a hardback book, and that's by a major United States publisher, and it was my first book that we did. actually went to number 15 on Amazon, Doug, and that wasn't in its category. It was 15 on Amazon overall. It broke yeah. records on Neil Borch's show. Okay, here's another thing, another article here. This is out of Time Magazine. It says, Why Can't Drug Costs Be Reined In?, when the price of the blood pressure drug Nitropress leaped from $215 to $881, an increase of 300%, it triggered public outrage. Drug maker Valiant Pharmaceuticals International would buy patents for the unique lifestyle drugs, hike their prices, and watch their profits roll in. This, by the way, is all funded through the Rothschild banking cartel. In the wake of the Valiant pricing scandal, congressional and media investigations have revealed that the embattled company's business model is hardly unique. In a memo from October the 16th, 2015, the Global Investment Bank, here we go, here we go, Global Investment Bank, Canaccord Genity wrote that the price increases were not out of the ordinary in a report for the, from the same day, BMO Capital Markets reiterated that Valiant's taxes were common industry practice. I mean, unbelievable. These are the same guys that tell you you have to have these drugs or you're going to die. And so as soon as they get a chance to go ahead and, and you know and buy these drugs and buy these companies for next to nothing because the patents in many of these cases have expired, they ended up jacking the price up. The same thing was true with toxoplasmosis drug for treating toxoplasmosis, which is the cat brain parasite drug. The guy jacked the price up from like, oh gosh, it was some insane thing. I don't remember exactly that, but we covered it on your show. It went from like $12 a pill to $200 a pill. Some insane, insane number. I mean, and the price of the drug remained the same. It was pennies to produce. But they don't care. When they have a disease like toxoplasmosis, which is caused by cats, and guys, don't get me wrong. We've had cats. They stay outside. There's a reason for that. 
cats in their urine and in their feces, if you're having to dump a litter box in the house, these cats have a parasite in that, in that feces that's called toxoplasmosis. And if you're handling that feces or you get it on you, it can actually get into your bloodstream and actually go to your brain and cause larvae to develop inside of your brain. And they, it's estimated that over 100 million people in the United States, up to 100 million people, are infected with toxoplasmosis and don't even know it. It's the crazy cat syndrome. These ladies that have 40 or 50 cats in their homes and they love their cats. And what they find is this. It's designed specifically for the cat to urinate and then to infect the brain of the mouse that smells it or, or whatever gets near it. And it makes that mouse start craving cat urine and love the smell of cat urine. That's why these people who have these houses full of cats, they don't mind a horrible stench when you walk in the door. They're used to it, and they kind of like it. It's because of that parasite in their brain. So, guys... Is, is there any cure for that? Or well, any, well this, this, drug, this, drug, this drug was supposed to treat that, and I'm not sure how effective it is. I'm not sure about other types of treatment protocols that are available. Uh, you know, We've got a really good parasite cleanse at the office that uses... Uh, uh, let's see, it's called... It uses wormwood, cloves and black walnut tincture. Phenomenal product to get rid of intestinal parasites. I don't know if it'll touch toxoplasmosis. But guys, that's why whenever you handle a cat, always make sure that you wash your hands. And, and quite frankly, guys, I'm not a big proponent of animals in the house, and I'm not going to get a cat in the house at all ever because of that parasite. And We had a cat show up here. It was a Burmese. Oh, gosh, it's probably 15 years ago. And that cat was always trying to sneak in the house, and I'm always, you know, making sure it doesn't. And the kids thought it was funny. Finally, one day, it got in my my son's quarters and took a big dump right on top of his comforter because he couldn't get outside because there wasn't a, you know, a, a kitty litter box in there. And the cat was at the Humane Society the next day. I figured if it was doing that, it was going to go because I, I knew about toxoplasmosis, and I didn't want that in my house. That's why it's very important if you're pregnant ladies that you don't handle litter boxes or get around cats if you're pregnant because of that brain parasite. Very, 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 very dangerous. You guys can look it up. I'm not making any of this up. It's called toxoplasmosis, and that's one of the drugs they jacked the price up on last year because the guy thought he could make more money for a disease like that. What do you guys think about that? Well, I wonder, you know, you said that the figure in America could be around 100, or 100 million people. Mm-hmm. Um, what... what uh, Triggers the the effects of of this to to jump out and and be a, a burden in someone's life. You know, I don't know, Joe. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, I've done some research on it in the past, but I don't know what the triggers would be. So somebody would think, oh my gosh, I'm infected with toxoplasmosis. Maybe when you start thinking the cat urine smells good, huh? It's called toxo- <laughs> toxoplasmosis gondii is what it's called, and you can look it up on Wikipedia. And I'm not making any of this up. It's an intercellular protozoan that causes this. I just pulled it up on Wikipedia, and it says it's an intercellular parasite protozoan that causes the disease pox toxoplasmosis, uh, and basically is from domestic cats. And it's, and it's basically uh, a definitive in the host in which parasite can undergo sexual reproduction. It's one of the most common parasites in developed countries. Uh, serological estimates estimate that up to 50% of the global population has been exposed to this, and many may be chronically affected with this disease. It's been shown to alter the behavior of rodents in ways thought to increase the rodents' chances of being preyed upon by cats, which we talked about that earlier. So you can, guys can read all this. It's spelled T-O-X-O. P-L-A-S-M-A-G-O-N-D-I-I. 
And so uh, it'll just be one of those deals that if you've got cats, you probably don't want to read this. <laughs> I'm just telling you, you're not going to want to read it. And it's just, it just is what it is. And that's why I'm always very, very careful. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, I would pet this cat we had outside. Her name was Countess, good cat, Burmese. But she never came in the house except for that one time that we really caught her and she was gone the next day. But I would always wash my hands. And remember, she wasn't in the house, so she didn't have a litter box. And so we didn't have to worry about handling all of this stuff. So just be very, very careful if you're handling cats or handling you know, the, uh, the feces or the urine of cats. Here's another. Here's a huge list of food retailers have rejected GMO salmon. Safeway says no GMO salmon. Albertsons has said no GMO salmon. Zoms, Vons, Costco, and Trader Joe's and more are saying they're not going to allow these products to be sold in their stores. In fact, 11,000 stores and counting are now refusing to sell GMO salmon. I mean, this is crazy. This is from Aquabody Technologies. And guys, this is a Frankenstein fish is what it is. And you don't want to put this stuff into your body because of what can do to your own DNA. And we don't want this stuff even being raised in fish farms that are in open waters because they can, they can get loose and they can start breeding with the other salmon. So guys, don't use the GMO Frankenfish, the Aquabody salmon. And don't buy any GMO foods at all if you can possibly avoid it. Also, avoid... Uh, Tilapia, a lot of that, you know, it's, it's a good fish when it's out in the wild, but it's, but in the real world, it's fed soy pellets. That's what it eats. And it messes up the hormones in the fish and it'll mess up your hormones in the, if you eat it. So stay away from farm raised fish altogether. They're really, really unhealthy. Even salmon, don't do any of this stuff. Just stay away from farm raised fish. They're bad for you. Now, here's another interesting, uh, CDC abandons health, public health in favor of politics. Disease being spread through illegal immigration thanks to a stunning lack of disease screening. I did a show with a liberal a couple of years ago, and this liberal got unbelievably angry at me and told me that I was a racist because I wanted the immigrants that were coming into the United States screened for diseases such as tuberculosis. <laughs> but now Dr. Jane Orion, who I interviewed, by the way, on the Power Hour, the executive director of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, noted that seven of the CDC's own public health experts said that that those screenings would potentially save millions of dollars and contribute to United States tuberculosis elimination goals. I mean, we've got guys coming over now that have tuberculosis, that have hepatitis, that have pneumonia, that have all kinds of other diseases, you know, all kinds of viral diseases. They're just coming in and they're infecting people and apparently they're not being required to get immunized like all of our kids are. So, guys, what do you think about that? What do you think about the CDC is abandoning public health in favor of policies? What do you think that they're not well, forcing this? By design. However, um, how do you balance out? Because you just said about the inoculation or, or, or about... Uh, um, what did you vaccination? The screening of illegal aliens. Well, well no, the, tuberculosis uh, outbreaks. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah, three years ago when all this was happening, I mean, we had all this problem with all these people coming across the border initially with all these diseases. Uh, my booking agency, my uh, my PR firm that I no longer use, they booked me on this super super liberal show. And I'm not I'm not going to give you the guy's name because I don't want to promote his website. I don't want to promote him at all. He's horrible. And, you know, so I'm doing this show and I'm talking about how we need to be screening these illegals. I never said the illegals shouldn't even be coming in. I didn't say anything. I just said they need to be screened. And he said, oh, what are you, a racist? You don't want the illegals coming in? I said, I never said that. Why are you saying that I said that? 
And he said, well, you're saying they need to be screened. I said, you're darn right they need to be screened. I said, they're going to be in the schools with our children. So why in the world do we want these people coming in from these third world countries with all these exotic diseases that we've pretty much eradicated in the United States and bringing these diseases back into our country? Because remember, when you inoculate a child, you don't immunize that child. It's only good for a certain amount of time. That's like with tuberculosis and with polio. You don't have lifetime immunity against this stuff. And so what ends up happening, if these kids start coming into the school systems, they can transmit it. We saw that at Harvard a few weeks ago with the mumps, the people that have been actually, you know, you know, given the mumps vaccine were the ones who were transmitting mumps because now they've been carriers. So we don't get that in the United States that vaccines don't give you immunity. It doesn't work that way. Over a period of time, it wears off. Now, Doug, you and me, we had the mumps. We had the chickenpox. We had the measles. And our body has developed a lifetime immunity against this. And if they ever wanted to unleash this giant pandemic in the United States, they could pick one of these diseases like this and infect everybody and say, oh, my gosh, we've got to go to martial law. Everybody's got to be re-immunized. Are you joking me? We saw what happened with the Simeon 40 vaccine or the polio vaccine back in the 50s in which they gave 100 million people live Simeon 40 cancer cells from monkey kidney cancer cells. Are you joking? Now we have huge rates of breast cancer, bone cancer, and 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 and, and brain cancer, and these people that were given these things. And what's happened is... The same Simeon 40 vaccine has been transferred through epigenetics into the next generation, and these kids who weren't even given that vaccine, when they're tested, are positive for Simeon 40. These vaccines are dangerous when they pass through. They don't go through the vaccine. They, they don't go through the. the uh, they, they go directly into the bloodstream, or they put us li- or they put live virus into us. Dangerous, dangerous stuff, guys. And you know the truth is, the kids that aren't immunized are always, if they're given organic diets with good prenatal nutrition, are always much, much, much healthier. We'll talk about that in just a minute than the kids that receive all these vaccinations. What do you guys think about this stuff with this, with these vaccines and everything that's going on with this? By design, Ted. I mean, I know. You, you know, it, it, <laughs> look at what's happening. This is well, we're, we're a captured operation, and uh, we are. Yeah, we are. Yeah. We've, been, yeah. we've, been, we've been jacked. And you know, the thing about it is, is that this. You know, if we wake up as Christians and we understand who we are in Christ. And we all stand together in the aggregate, and we don't attack each other, and we just work together for the common good. Because this whole goal of divide and conquer, this is what they've been doing the whole time. I mean, Obama, we're race relations in the United States with our first black Kenyan Muslim president is worse now than it's been since the 60s. I mean, it's awful with these Black Lives Matter and this MoveOn.org and all that. I got a newsflash for you guys with Black Lives Matter if you're listening. Dude, everything matters. All lives matter. I don't care if you're black, white, Hispanic, Jewish, Russian, Chinese. It doesn't make any difference. We're all God's kids. All lives matter. And you can't be pointing out that one ethnic group lives matter more than anybody else's lives matter. And if you don't want, if you want to see who's funding all of this stuff, look at the globals that are funding all of this stuff and all of these guys that move from city to city to do all this damage and all these Trump campaigns. It's complete nonsense. Now, Walmart, here you go. Their great value, well, ice cream is unmeltable. <laughs> this is another interesting article. Cincinnati mom made a rather remarkable discovery that yes, sometimes ice creams won't melt. And she made her startling discovery after her son actually left this great value Walmart ice cream cream sandwich from while playing outside in temperatures about 80 degrees. After more than 12 hours, she stumbled upon her son's uneaten ice cream to find that it was not melted. 
not trusting her own discovery, the mom decided to try replicating the phenomenon. To her surprise, the second ice cream sandwich also did not melt. <laughs> Dan Collins of K1K1, 100.5 Sioux City Falls, South Dakota, put the woman's claims to the test, and sure enough, after an hour and 15 minutes in direct sun in 80-degree weather, the Walmart value ice cream did not melt. Meanwhile, a scoop of another brand of ice cream called Collins, an unnatural ice cream, melted almost immediately in the heat. I mean, guys, look, gums and complex carbs are originally, you know, are put into these things, and ice cream can be called ice cream if it's only 10% milk. That's it. It means they can add almost anything else to it. So if you're going to eat ice cream, if you're going to do that, get the non-GMO ice cream, get the organic ice cream. Uh, there's one brand, oh gosh, it'll come to me in a second, they sell it at Whole Foods. I forgot the name of it, but they've got a Belgian chocolate ice cream that if you ever eat it, you're going to go, oh my gosh, why did I ever eat anything else? It's, it's ridiculous how good it is. In fact, Sharon brought some into the house here a while back, and I told her, please never bring this ice cream into the house again. She goes, why not? I said, I can't control myself. It's that good. I, 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 this stuff is so good, it's ridiculous. Alden, Alden's. It's called Alden's ice cream. I think it's A-L-D-E-N-S. Shouldn't even give you a total. Shouldn't even tell you what the name was. But, but it's so good. It's all organic and all natural. But I tell you what, guys, it's the absolute. If you ever eat this ice cream, you won't believe that ice cream even tastes this good. And yeah. see, not this ice cream sandwich that sits out in the sun for for 14 hours and never melts. Are you joking me? Why would you even put that toxic mess into your body with all those stabilizers and chemicals and think that you're going to get any kind of nutritional value out of that? I mean, well, guys, what do you think about ice cream that doesn't melt? Um, that's a problem, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me of the story of the snowballs that people were, were making that, that wouldn't melt uh, From all the a few chemicals. years back. Yeah, I don't know what that was, but... Um, and it also reminds me of the the McDonald's you know hamburgers that you can leave sit out that will never uh, decompose. Um, yeah, I, all of this is really disgusting and disturbing. <laughs> I mean, to to, to the max. Um, I, I you know I I look I I don't know all I know. It, it, well, think think back to the vacation movies. Chevy Chase being. Uh, uh, so the, the guy that uh, does the food preservatives and stuff, you know, hey, this milk is four years old. I, I, all of this is just—it's just ridiculous. It—it it, it would be funny if it wasn't sad and dangerous. It really would. Well, if you understand something, the globalists believe that they can trace their DNA heritage back to the. They consider themselves to be the Benandi Nephilim, the sons of the fallen. They trace themselves back to Lucifer, all the way back to Nimrod, to the Tower of Babel. That's these guys actually believe this stuff, okay? Now, whether you believe it or not, they're making a difference. They believe it, okay? They don't. They consider their DNA to be different than our DNA, and they consider us just to be basically uh, soulless animals. You know, a lot of them call us goyim, and that's what they call us. And they they think that that's okay because they can feed the goyim this filth, and it's okay. All right. Now, I'm going to say something real quick. Austin had a baby about two months ago. And I've sent you pictures of the kid. He's absolutely gorgeous. And he's so smart. He's already trying to talk. Of course, he makes no sense. He's just doing gobble, gobble, right? But he's, you know, he's trying to crawl. He's trying to talk. Kid's already getting alert. He's already getting his vision in. Because, you know, babies really can't see very well when they're first born. They can pretty much just see shadows. And so he's doing absolutely wonderful. Now, Austin got, because he went through a midwife, they signed him up for this mailing list. And he received a infant formula and a newborn formula for children in the mail for free that you mix up. Now, let me tell you what's in this stuff. Okay, the first ingredient in this product. Let me pull it out of this wrapper because I can't quite see it. This is just I'm, you hear me opening it right now because it, I don't want to read this. Okay, 
here's the first ingredient. This is what it says. It says, this is what, this is called Infameal, the number one brand recommended by doctors. And it says, this is for fussiness, gas, and crying, gentle ease. This is the first one here. The number one ingredient, remember it's by weight. The highest amount ingredient goes on first, okay? The first ingredient is corn syrup solids or high fructose corn syrup. Number one. Number one, high fructose corn syrup. Secondly is partially hydrolyzed non-fat milk and whey protein. The third next ingredient is soy. Then vegetable oil, palm oil, and more soy. Now the reason they break the soy up into different components is because that way it's not all a bunch of soy. Now remember we've already talked about soy and what it does as far as chemically altering the brain of these children who are little boys and makes them little girls. Okay. Now this is not even a soy based formula but it has all of the stuff in it. Now the other one they have, this is the one for newborns. The first ingredient is non-fat milk, lactose, vegetable oil, palm uh, glen, coconut soy, and a high oleic sunflower oil, whey protein concentrate, I mean, I wouldn't give this to Austin's dogs. It's this bad of a product, but yet they consider this stuff to be the number one brand recommended by pediatricians. Well, I got a newsflash for you. I'm going to give you the number one brand. It's called breast milk. Breast milk is so important for children to have to have healthy kids. Breast milk is absolutely critical to raise healthy infants. Not stuff that's based in soy and fructose and corn syrup and all of that. Now, I did all that to read you this. Here's another article. Fructose causes genetic damages in the brain that increase the risks of heart disease. It's no secret that sugary drinks, sweets, and other processed foods contain high fructose corn syrup and they're detrimental to your health. The pervasiveness of high fructose corn syrup in the American diet has even been blamed for the epidemic of obesity, type 2 diabetes, and related disease. But now scientists at the University of California have started to uncover the exact reasons why fructose is linked to so many ills. Research there have discovered that fructose actually alters hundreds of genes in the brain. These changes are liked and linked to the development of many diseases including diabetes, cardiovascular disease, Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, depression, bipolar disorder, and attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. It goes on and on and on. Now these guys know that this does this, right? They know that high fructose corn syrup does this. It's the number one ingredient in gentle ease. Ingredients, corn syrup solids, number one. Guys, they're taking these children and they're going to force these kids, especially if you're putting fluoride in the water that you're giving to these kids to mix this formula up, it's going to massively increase all of these diseases according to these University of of California scientists. I mean, and they're giving it to the children. But remember, they don't think of you as a human being. You're livestock to them. That's all you are. You're to be managed and culled as necessary. That's how they look at us. They know that it's going to cause brain damage to the children and all of these diseases, yet they don't care, Doug. It's still in there. And the research is so persuasive and pervasive now about high fructose corn syrup and infant formula and how bad it is, it doesn't make any difference, guys. What do you think? Why do you think their, what do you think their motivation is in this? Well, you know, and I was going to ask you that. What's, what was this ever... Uh, and, and I mean, ever was it ever done for seemingly altruistic purposes or or legitimate reasons? You know, or or was this always 
the plan, uh, you know, to, to take down the uh, next generation and dumb them down. I mean, was there any any redeeming qualities to any of this, or was this done, or is this straight from the, the, the bowels of hell? It's all from the bowels of hell. And, and quite yeah. frankly, it all it started back in the 40s and the 50s to do all of this stuff when women went into the workplace for the war effort back in the 40s. And then we had that giant baby boom that happened after World War II from 1945 mm. to 1960. And the women had gotten used to working. Everybody got used to two-income two households. And so, so the women were told, you don't have to breastfeed. Breastfeed is old. Nobody breastfeeds anymore. You need to use this drink and this drink for these kids, and these kids will be healthier. Total and complete lie. That's why right now the United States, the United States leads the world when it comes to it. Uh, let, let, let me give you the right statistic. Right now the United States is ranked, I think, at the bottom of the list when it comes to industrialized countries, or the top of the list when it comes to infant death, sudden infant death syndrome. And Dr. Mendelssohn said in his book, How to Raise a Healthy Child in Spite of Your Pediatrician, which should be in everybody's library if you have kids or babies or you're going to get pregnant or you have grandbabies on the way. He said that about, and I think the number was up to 75% of sudden infant death syndrome occurs 48 hours to 72 hours after immunizations. In addition to that, he goes on to say the U.S. is leading the world as far as the industrialized world in sudden infant death in the in, in death of infants and it's all linked back to vaccinations and it's all linked back to this horrible slop that we feed these kids because remember they don't consider us to be human they consider us to be subhuman species they consider themselves to be the enlightened ones that's how the elite look at us that's why they don't care if they cull us they don't if, see if i go out back and i got a bunch of red ants here in florida and I step in a red ant bed, and I get covered in red ants, I'm going to be mad, okay? I just don't like red ants. And so I'm going to go out there with some Amdro or something, I'm going to sprinkle it on the red ant bed, and in a couple of days, all those ants will be dead, and I'm just going to be the slayer of 100,000 red ants. Don't care. Don't care one bit. Don't care that 100,000 ants that like to bite me are dead. I don't care. They look at us as red ants, Doug. That's how they see us. If they yeah. kill a million people in Iraq and children, and they frag them with frag grenades, they don't care. They don't care. They don't see us as human beings. And once you understand that, once you get that, and once you get that through your head, then you can understand how they look at us. Remember last month when we talked about how they were sociopaths and psychopaths, yeah. and they don't have any emotional attachment to their victims. They don't care what they do. It's like Dr. Mengele in, you know, in the concentration camps. He didn't have any attachment to all these children. He would make friends with these children and these twins that he was using for these experiments and be really, really nice to them. They all thought he was great while he was doing all kinds of horrible things to them because oh, oh. he didn't care. Yeah, the, the experiments. If people understood what they what they oh, were doing, oh. uh, it were just horrendous. No, it was crazy. And when the United States came in and they got all of that research, they didn't destroy all those horrible things that were learned learned from all that. They they incorporated it right into the MK Ultra program and and, and into the into the uh, special ops programs. They, they didn't destroy yep. any of that stuff. They kept it all of it. Yep. Now. And we mentioned this earlier. How do vaccinated children's health compare to unvaccinated children? This is interesting. This whole article goes on, and it said that autism, neurological disorders, are much, much lower in these kids. It says much, much healthier children, less sensitive to the flu, and and cough. It goes on and on and on. And, I mean, in, in one 1997 New Zealand study, 1,265 children were surveyed. Of those children who were vaccinated, 23% were more reported to suffer from asthma and 30% suffer from allergies compared to none, none, Doug, in the unvaccinated group. I'm going to repeat that. In 1997 in New Zealand, 
1,265 children were surveyed. Of the children who were vaccinated, 23% were reported to suffer asthma and 30% suffer from allergies, compared to none in the vaccinated group. I mean, this is kind of crazy. In British, a study of 8,000 unvaccinated kids, which included medical documentation for each child, revealed that the vaccinated children experienced two to five times more illness and disorders compared to unvaccinated kids. Another study in 1992 New Zealand showed 495 children concluded that vaccinated children suffer far more compared to unvaccinated children. Diseases included tonsillitis, ear infections, sleep apnea, hyperactivity, and epilepsy. Vaccinated children suffered to ten times more from these diseases. In the in the uh, Amish community, Doug, where they don't where they don't they don't have immunizations, they have a, everything I see has they may have a zero rate of autism, zero. So you can't say this stuff doesn't matter, but it's so important that we realize that we can't just do what we want to do with our kids and think they're going to be healthy. It simply doesn't work that way. In fact, I was talking to Austin today, and a couple of years ago, I actually fussed at one of his friends who had, had told us they weren't going to do any vaccinations after we'd given them literally 100 articles on anti-vaccines, and then they decided they were going to suddenly start vaccinating. And so... You know, I told Austin today, I said, do you understand now why I fussed at one of your friends a couple of years ago? And I said, I'm not saying that I should have done that because it was your friend, but I knew this kid for a long, long time. And I said, but you can understand the passion that you have as an adult, as a parent. Unless you have children, you will never understand the love that you're going to have for that child. You're never going to understand that. You're never going to understand how you're willing to do anything and give your life for that child if you're a good parent. And suddenly... To know that you're doing what you're told to do by the medical protocol and that vaccines are supposed to be necessary for the health of this child and to suddenly find out after your child comes down with autism that you were lied to, it's gotta be mind-numbing, Doug, the, the guilt that you must have from that. I mean, even, I mean, all of the children who've been diagnosed with autism that was caused by vaccines, all of these parents were pro-vaccination when they did all this. And that's what you have to understand. Do your research. I'm not telling you not to vaccinate your kids. I'm just giving you the facts. I'm just telling you, if you're going to do it, get the research. And if you're going to do it, understand that there are going to be side effects associated with it, period. That's why the Vaccine Compensation Fund has paid out billions of dollars since the 80s, since Reagan, who should have never done this, who was basically being controlled by George Bush from the CIA his entire eight years in the White House because he was shot 30 days in the office, that Reagan signed the vaccine immunity bill that basically that basically gave immunity from prosecution to the vaccine manufacturers. Now they can put 250 vaccines in the pipeline, Doug, and if the 250 vaccines kill everybody in the process, it doesn't make a difference. They can't be sued. They can't be sued. Again, another globalist thing that Bush pushed through for Reagan back in the 80s, along with the bill banning machine guns. We shouldn't be able to buy machine guns still, but you can't. you got to go to the pre-80-something ban to get the machine guns, which is complete nonsense. Some of these M16 fully automatic weapons now are selling for $30,000, $35,000 a piece now. It's crazy. And the sad part about all of that is it wasn't necessary. You know, we should all have the same access as the military to machine guns. Now, when it comes to rocket launchers and all that kind of crazy stuff and anti-aircraft missiles, absolutely not, because you don't want people to be starting to shoot down airplanes. But the point is, when it comes just to defending yourself or for sport or for target practice, there's nothing wrong with having a fully automatic M16. If you want to spend $30,000 for it, before you could buy one for eight or 900 bucks, not anymore. What do you guys think about those laws? Well, I agree with you 100% that the... Uh 
same equipment that the military has is what we should be able to have as, as citizens. Um, you know, people make the argument, well, that was back in the days when there was only cannons and muskets and whatnot, but, um, you know, the founding fathers understood that the uh, increase in technology would occur, and they did not make any provisions in the Constitution to limit the Second Amendment in any way, regardless of uh, the weaponry and its evolution uh, through time. But sadly, you know, the politicians through the agenda of the globalists have been able to restrict guns in such a way where we see, you know, regular open carry people uh, and people with concealed carries are now having to, uh, they're getting arrested. They're, they're Now we have the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals in San Francisco banning concealed carry permits in California and where open carry is illegal, leaving no recourse for a gun owner. I mean, they incrementally restricted the gun laws so much, even starting with the machine gun bans, to the point where now they can, and are talking about, doing the same with semi-automatic weapons. That's right. And it's the craziness. Second, the Second Amendment says, shall not be infringed upon. That's very simple. Your right to bear arms shall not be infringed upon. <laughs> yeah, now, I guess they don't understand what that means. Yeah, so yeah, they, they, keep it, they kept a single. They kept it because they didn't want. They just knew it. They shall not be infringed upon. In other words, but see, Reagan again. He was under all kinds of heavy meds after he was shot. Uh, some people say he already had Alzheimer's disease. They may have given him who knows what type of toxicity and all those jelly beans he was eating with all the aluminum those things contain. Because you know he developed Alzheimer's almost immediately getting out of office. I mean, he probably had Alzheimer's the onset of senile dementia beforehand. All he did was take naps all day. I mean, George Bush ran the White House. Everybody knows that now. I mean, the whole thing with Iran Contra. I personally believe that George Bush was neck deep in that because he was the head of the CIA at one time. I mean, all of that mess. Now, was Reagan perfect? Absolutely not. But Reagan talked a good talk. But after he got shot. You know, his talk didn't line up as much as his words did. Now, here's another interesting article. This is excellent. This is from, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was a huge study, it's, it, and it's titled, The Report of Partial Findings from the National Toxicology Program, Carcinogenesis of Studies of Cell Phone Radio Frequency Radiation. It's by Sprague and Dowley, and it talks about whole body exposure. And this has shown conclusively, again, that you end up with glial tumors of the brain and brain tumors and brain cancer when you use cell phones next to your ears and you don't use the speakerphone application. Guys, it causes brain tumors of the heart. I mean, this is nuts with this article and what this thing shows. This is what we talked about on your show last year about the brain tumors, brain cancer, about the use of cell phones. I can't emphasize strongly enough that when you use a cell phone, you use it on the speaker setting. And if you can't talk because it's a personal conversation and you're in a restaurant, take it outside. And quite frankly, when you start yelling at somebody on the cell phone, it's kind of rude anyhow. You might as well take it outside. I mean, I've experienced that with people who've sat next to me in the restaurant and you're like screaming on their cell phones. You're like, gosh, dude, just take it outside. Are you kidding me? But guys, listen to me. It causes brain cancer. We've done entire shows on radio frequency, on harp, and what they do with these technologies as far as inducing disease in people. And now we know conclusively, but we already knew this because other studies have shown the same thing, that the government knows, that we know, that everybody knows now who reads these articles, not to hold a cell phone next to your head. What do you guys think about that? Flashback, 1980s, uh, Wall Street, I think it was, the movie. I mean, you know, you walk around with this brick next to your head. It's amazing how many, um, 
how many people, at least in my view, how 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 much the media and and others, even scientists back then, saying, "Oh, hey, don't worry, not a problem." You know what? It's the same. It's the same narrative with the back scatter X-rays at the airports. It's the same narrative with all of these devices that are designed to. Well, it, it, to, to me, this is all just, I mean, we're being lied to at every turn, and they're laughing at us. And, and But on, on the flip side of that, uh, Ted, I, I see where, as, as we get further down the road, closer to whatever event horizon or events horizon uh, we are about to experience, the exposure. The level of information, the knowledge. We're getting we're getting more information. Things are being revealed to us, and and there you have it. But I mean, yes, common sense would dictate. Yeah, the, 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 don't don't uh, uh, just don't hold a cell phone next to your head. Um, I, in fact, I had a, an acquaintance pass away from brain cancer that was big back in the 80s, early 90s, using the, the bricks, you know, the cell phones. And he was into electronics, computers, and, and uh, knew how yeah. to build computers. And, uh, yeah, I yeah. remember that. Yeah. So he was I mean, a young guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're right, though. I mean, you're absolutely right. But people have to get... People have to... At what point, let me ask you this, okay? At what point are people going to realize that we've all been gamed? Is it now? Doug, Doug, I think, I think you know, the Bible says that in the latter days that information is going to explode. And it has. Knowledge is massively increased. And it's because of shows like yours, you know, and Dave Hodges and mine and Alex yeah. and Joyce, you know, and, and uh, Russ Dizdar. I mean, people have finally had enough. People have finally turned off the mainstream idiot box and said, hey, look, we don't want to deal with this anymore. This is complete and total lies. You know, we don't want to, I, I can't tell you, I don't even watch mainstream TV anymore. I like, I like to stay with the History Channel or a couple of the movie channels that are free. That's all I watch. I don't even go to ABC, CBS, or NBC anymore because of all the weirdo stuff. I mean, they've got all kinds of just totally effeminate characters in all of these major sitcoms now that are basically trying to promulgate this whole transgender movement. And guys, I don't want to be part of any of that. I'm not going to promote it. And I've learned, guys, if we don't take a stand sooner or later, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. That's why the mainstream media is so adamant about trying to destroy Donald Trump. Because Donald Trump, the last thing I read last week, Hillary Clinton came out and said that Donald Trump was gay. Are you kidding me? That man's not <laughs> gay. He dated about every good-looking model on the planet before between his wives. Are you joking me? Look at his current wife. I mean, they, they, but they're, they're all kinds. Of, then, then they said one of them said that he was a pedophile. No, Bill Clinton and all these weirdo on the pedophile express, Lolita Express that he was on. Yeah, these guys the Epstein are, thing. Yeah, yeah, Epstein thing. I mean, so they're taking everything now that Bill Clinton is guilty of, and they're accusing it of Donald Trump. And mark my word, it'll come out with books about this stuff that will be made up completely and totally lies. Because they're so scared that the narrative that they've spun is going to be unwoven. Because the mainstream media no longer has a stranglehold on the population of this country because the Internet and podcasts and satellite broadcasts and the YouTube channels have all now made a huge dent. That's why 
the majority of the population now no longer even trust mainstream news. And their, their viewership is down to a few hundred thousands like with CNN, maybe to a couple of millions with some of the major networks. Nobody watches it anymore because everybody knows you turn on ABC, CBS, or NBC, it's the Rothschild-owned AP Wire and Reuters Wire, which is both owned by Rothschilds, that is telling the narrative and spinning the lies. That's why it's like Gerald Salente says, and I agree with Gerald, if we're not careful, these blithering idiots are going to take us to war. And I'm talking world war, because they're going to try to find some way to facilitate that before they lose control of everything. Because Russia's had enough, China's had enough, all the patriots in the United States have had enough, and now these guys are going, wait a minute, people are waking up. Oh my gosh, they're talking about the Versailles Treaty on Hagman and Hagman. They're talking about the Balfour Declaration. They're not supposed to know that. We kept that secret for a hundred years. I can't believe they're talking about that tonight. Well, hey, yeah, we did. How about that? Because we want people to know this is where all this mess started. This is why Saudi and Israel were neck deep together with the Mossad in Saudi in 9-11. And you need to understand that or otherwise it doesn't make any sense, Doug, because you think, why are the Arabs working with the Jews? Because they're supposed to hate each other. Well, that's not the way those two countries feel because they were both founded under the same premise. So now you guys all understand that. Now, let's go ahead and talk about some more stuff because I know we're almost out of time now. Here's something interesting with what the FDA has just done. Medical foods, and you got to be really careful because there's all kinds of foods that can be labeled specifically for specific illnesses and diseases that help to take care of people. For instance, when you look at the Hagman Healthy Blood Sugar support that we have on healthmasters.com, we can't make any claims on that because of the FDA, and we don't. We don't make any claims on anything as far as anything. Because they're saying now that the only people who can make claims are drug manufacturers and that natural foods and these superfoods that are coming out, these medical foods, that they're not going to allow them to say anything on the labels about any conditions they work. For instance, if you've got a product that really, really well works well to help cleanse the liver, you can't say that. You can't say that. You can't say that at all. Because it doesn't make any difference. Even if you've got 15 things in there that have been shown that really help the liver or 15 things that really help blood sugar, you can't say that. You can't say any of that stuff. It's healthy blood sugar support. That's all you can say. Because they want to keep the, the statements of quote-unquote claims to the drugs only so they can do their double-blind clinical research studies with hundreds of millions of dollars that are usually paid for and skewed by these people that are doing these research studies and they can make the claims that way, and that way that'll be the sole discretion of the people who are selling drugs, and nobody can say anything about supporting people with healthy blood sugar or supporting healthy blood pressure or healthy joint support. You can't say anything besides just support. That's the word. Apparently all the other words have patents on them, Doug, and they're not allowed to be used by uh, us goyim. What do you think? Well... I mean, you said it. I, it, it. What's to add at this point? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really. Yeah, no, it is. And here's another, here's another article: How melatonin can actually help those with autism. This is a great article, by the way, with kids. 
and it said it actually helps give these kids to sleep better and irritability. And also it says to keep stay in a completely dark room. And it says the pineal gland can only function at 100% when it's in complete darkness. And that means all the, all the lights and the baby monitors and all that thing have to have their lights covered up when these kids are sleeping. And the same thing is true with the wireless routers and the cell phones. Make sure all of that stuff is turned off. Keep the cell phones in the living room, not in your bedroom when you're charging them because they still emit stuff even when they're turned off. And make sure all the wireless routers are unplugged in the house when you go to bed at night. Because remember, these electromagnetic signals that are coming out of these wireless routers that permeate our body and our tissue, when they hit our brain, they go right through the skull and they, and the pineal gland sees them as light. You know, we see it as an electrical signal, it sees it as light. And so it doesn't allow the pineal gland to produce the melatonin that it needs to help you to sleep in your sleep cycle. And it really interrupts the circadian rhythm, which is what all mammals have. So, guys, it's so important. I'm going to say it again. Keep the cell phones away from your head. Turn off your Wi-Fi at night. Turn off the wireless routers at night. And charge your iPhones and your tablets in the other room. And don't put them next to your bed. And certainly don't sleep with your cell phone turned on. That's like the worst thing you could possibly do. I mean, guys, I mean, is there anything we could add to that? What do you think? Well, it's very important. I mean, I, I'm i guilty of not turning off my wireless router in the evening. Uh, so I have not uh, done it myself to, to know or, or to see if it, what the difference is. I'd like to hear from anybody out there who has in our listening audience. You know, feel free to email well, us. Well, I mean, Ted has, and you can tell that. I mean, yeah. Uh, but proximity. I mean, does proximity does yeah the does proximity matter or is it? Uh, some people have their wireless router in the middle of their living room. Some have it. Yeah. Um, Yes, 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 yes. It dissipates pi r squared, so the closer you get to it, uh, the stronger the signal is going to be, and so it dissipates very, very quickly. That's why a lot of homes have to have boosters put in the houses because it won't go through all of the houses. And so we have a wireless router in my office, which is outside of it's like in a different building, and so it's a long ways away from the main house, but it's linked to the main house through a booster wire router in the living room. And so what we do is we turn that booster off at night. But remember, you're still laying inside of your electrical wiring and everything else inside yeah. of your house. And if I had to do it over again, Doug, I'd put a Faraday cage around my bed, in my bedroom, and I'd use copper mesh inside the walls behind the sheetrock, you know, to cover up all of this mess. Now, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Can I ask a, a question here? Uh, um, remember the controversy about, about, uh, Home or homeowners or residents living underneath power lines. Same yes. principle, right? Same true, yeah. That's true. When you can get you can get a Gauss meter and you can peg them. I remember years ago we looked at a house in Montana and we were gonna use it as a secondary residence. It was in a little town called Kalispell. And it's right there close where Chuck Baldwin lives. And we ended up basically looking at this house and all of a sudden we go across the ridge there and these giant power lines, you know, a hundred yards from the house. And so I went by the radio shack in town there and I bought a Gauss meter. And uh, to measure the electromagnetic frequency coming off those doggone wires. And uh, you, when you got close to those things and even all the way up into the house, you were living under this electromagnetic frequency. I mean, it pegged the meter within a 50 yards. Pegged it. I mean, it was so much energy coming out. In fact, I did, this, I did an experiment once myself. Uh, we were doing a show up in, I believe it was in Virginia. The guy's name was Jeff. I don't remember his last name anymore. And he had a radio station, and we were in the RV. And so we spent the night at the station because we had to be in the showroom, you know, in the studio at 7 o'clock in the morning. And I remember his, we, the, his station was right under these massive power lines, you know, right behind it in a big field. And so I remember we had the RV parked back there, and I thought, gosh, I don't really want to be out here. So I walked out with a fluorescent tube, a bulb, right? And I held it up in the air and held my hands on both ends of it. That thing lit up, Doug. 
lit up. Wow. Mm. Now it didn't go to full light, but it lit up. You could see it flight. It was flickering light. It was it was it was changing electrons. I mean, I could not believe there was that much energy in the air. So yes, all you hear about that stuff is true, and you shouldn't be living under those power lines. Period. At all. I I wouldn't go within 100, 200 yards of those things. And if you if you're not sure, get a gas meter, measure it yourself, and find out where it starts, and then you can make a decision whether you want to live there or not. So it's it's an interesting experience. But guys, thank you so much for having me on tonight. It's been a blast. It, it's it's been our pleasure. What a lot of information the you imparted, man, folks. Listen to this two or three times. Pass this along to your friends, your family, because this was one heck of an important program. And tune uh, in to Ted's yeah. show uh, Sunday nights too, right? Yeah, Sunday nights seven to eight p.m. Eastern time. And Ted, you said it will be on uh, each weeknight after our show. Yeah, yeah, we're the thing. You know, that's such a blessing that Todd was able to do for us. He was able to move the schedule around, and we'll be talking about the rape crisis in Sweden and a whole bunch of other stories tonight. Uh, just, I mean, like in five minutes. I mean, we'll be, we'll be rolling again, so we'll be talking about all of that. So it'll be every single night, five days a week now. And so I want to thank Todd for making that happen. And so, yeah, so it's absolutely a blessing to be on with you guys. And I'll be promoting the yik yak out of y'all's show like I always have done anyhow <laughs> every day because I'll be coming on after you every night. So we're I'm excited about all of this stuff. It'll be a win-win for everybody. So, guys, thank you for having me on. It's always an incredible blessing to be on with you guys. You guys.